It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Rothman and Ice. We are presented by your local Pella Window and Door showroom on Gemini Parkway. Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice Hayes, CB, the gum grafted one. How are we feeling, boys? AR, I'm doing good, my man. I can't complain. Had a nice little chill evening yesterday. Didn't mm. do too much. Uh, no, feeling good, man. How you doing in your neck of the woods? Everything's okay. Tucked in here, little turtle. Uh, Z Train just walked in, our resident uh, Boston fan. And he said, yeah, I heard you talking some crap about Kemba last night on Twitter. I'm like, if crap is saying a dude traveled on a clutch shot, then okay, I guess I was. But, you know, they don't call that in the NBA anyway. But, you know, he's a bean towner. That's okay. You know, he's had his time with the the Pats and Celts and all that good stuff. Yeah, man. So he's had his time. His time is done. Those Boston fans, they don't get to complain about anything when it comes to sports. Because what they've been doing for a decade now, decade plus actually, have just been through the roof. They are just winning championships and winning at a high level overall. So, yeah, they don't get to complain. I don't want to hear that from them, AR. No, and I, I don't get caught up in it either. I mean, the NBA is the NBA. I don't, don't play defense. They don't call travels. Let's just launch from the logo, and, and that's the sport right well, now. Well, there's but, some def- Well, give, us, uh, give, give the new guys will, some credit. It, give there give will the be. new guys in, some in credit. In the finals, I'm sure guys will try to lock down a little bit, but that's what the game is, and it's exciting. It's fine, guys. Just launching from everywhere. Let's pull up on three on ones and shoot threes. I mean, I, I get it. Of course, it's who doesn't like that? Who doesn't like want to do, that? man? The big, the big dudes like to shoot and stroke it and all that. By the way, speaking of basketball, and I yeah. know we'll get into Game Seven a little bit last night. We'll have a nice menu today. We'll have Chef Dion, uh, Rick Neuheisel. Uh, we'll jump on college football analyst, former coach as well, uh, Jeff Lloyd, Pro Football Network. We'll talk a little Browns and NFL in the third hour. But I stumbled on a movie the other night, and I know I'm talking to the wrong guy here, but uh, had you seen The Way Back with Ben Affleck? Never even heard of The Way Never Back. Never heard of it. See, yeah, see, that's the, that's not the many way people. Back. The Way Back. Yeah. What do you got? What, what is so this, this, is what I, this is what I'm going to tell you it is. And I, by the way, I think Affleck is very underrated. I, like, I think he's gotten better with time. Like, Except I, I think, for Batman. That was okay, awful. Okay, yeah, and, I, and I'll, I'll nix that. But like The Accountant... And like some weird stuff that, that like good. Argo, oh, like the, the, you know the movies that I've yeah. talked about in the it's air. Funny, like, I, I've seen those two. <laughs> Both the last. Wait a minute, you've, you've seen mentioned. Argo and the Accountant. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, you're like the all Affleck team. You're like the duck. Oh, um, all right, so the way back, and you can Google and watch the trailer. This is how I'll I'll put it into uh, a quick analysis. Have you seen the Rookie? With yes. Dennis Quaid. Yes. Okay, have, very good. Yes, yes. Have you seen Hoosiers? Of course, yes, I have. Okay, I have all seen right, that. see, yes. now we're getting nowhere. All right, <laughs> now you've seen, okay, so I believe it's kind of like the rookie meets Hoosiers with, and, and believe me, I'm not kind of putting that at that level. I, I would never rank it over either one of those those sports movies. It's got some real stuff thrown into it. It's... Got a little bit of sadness on how he works his way back. He's a former – he plays, and you don't really get to see any of his basketball skills. He's a former, like, all-state guy, and his life has kind of taken a very dark turn um, through a tragedy, and it's about how he's trying to make it every day, 
just every day. He's in a blue-collar job, and he gets a chance to coach his former high school in basketball. Like, he's royalty coming back. And it's a classic, almost incredibly predictable deal where, Maddie, you know the coach comes in, you've got the cocky kid, you've got the mm-hmm. quiet kid. Like, every personality that you could have on a basketball team, they covered. And it's almost... It's it's weird because in that way it's very predictable. You have the cocky kid that he has to kick off. You got the quiet kid who's got to light a fire under. He's got no real huge talent, so they got to win as a team. They got to press. They got to play defense. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. but I, but I'm saying that, and then I'm hooked because of his performance. And have you seen Boiler Room? Boiler Room. with him. That's a, that, no. If I, I, okay, if you have to think see, about it, I've heard you of it. I've heard. Pieces. Okay. no, I haven't. I haven't. Seen okay, that. he's got a he's got a cameo type role in Boiler Room where he comes in and he gives these two to three minute speeches and then drops the mic and leaves. He's got that kind of role in Boiler Room. In this movie, when he goes into his first huddle, his first team huddle, and he does what he does, I was hooked. The rest of the movie, I was hooked. He it it just a really I wouldn't like I said I'm not ranking it crazy high but it's worth a watch and okay. I think you would like it. Okay. And the reason why I'm I'm not ranking it higher than the ones I've given you but I think you could move it up your list to knock it out. Okay. I think you'd like it. I didn't I know that would. this I didn't know that this came out this year. Just looking yeah. at some of this stuff now this is a 2020 movie yeah. and when you were describing this AR a movie that I thoroughly enjoy is Coach Carter and that's mm-hmm. like, that's the vibes that I was kind of getting when you described this movie just a little bit cuz you know he's bringing in some guys and they had their issues and he had to get them together and they got on the right track and if that's this type of movie or if it's somewhat similar then I'm in. I remember seeing the previews now that I'm kind of looking at the IMD uh, IMDb page here but yeah, 2020 movie. I'll put this on the list, man. I got nothing put, else going on. Put it on, on the life. list, and I think you. Sh- I think you could kind of check this out. I think you okay. could. You could uh, knock this one out. Mm-hmm. I think it's right up your alley because it is 2020, and it's it's got some dark moments in it. Uh, him battling through stuff, but he's using his his first love as basketball to try to dig his way out of his daily demons. Coach and Jack Cunningham? That's correct. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Coach right. Jack, don't call me Billy Cunningham. Um, or Richie Cunningham, which is a way too old reference that you will never get. And if you do, I'll buy you dinner. Richie and I know Cunningham? you do. Yeah. Only Richie I know is Richie Incognito. That's only Richie All right, see? Right and I, by the way, I was holding my breath for a half a second that I was going to have to buy you dinner because <laughs> you, 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 didn't get the, you didn't get the Richie Cunningham. And I thought... Well, maybe he, maybe there's some deep, dark place in his past that he had heard of the sitcom Happy Days, but I wasn't oh, sure. And, uh, and now I, I saved myself from buying you dinner. I'd buy you dinner anyway, <laughs> but you when you I have to pay you. it off on a bet, there's more attached to it. All right, so we come to today, and we all sit back and take a deep breath. Yeah. And it's almost like the great hope of returning to play, which has these little... Things kind of sprinkled in, right? We're not even sure yet at this point whether or not available testing is the is what the Big Ten and Kevin Warren and the presidents would deem as their biggest hurdle, right? Yep. Like that's the, that's the thing to me is I know people are attaching themselves to that this is it. This is what they've been waiting for. 
the tests, the tests, the beautiful tests. And I'm not so sure that that's everything for the Big Ten right now, certainly for some universities. And I'm of the belief, and you know, the ACC is starting when? September 10th. Mm -hmm. The Big 12 is starting September 12th. The SEC is starting September 26th. It's not like if you don't play in September, you're done. Like you can, you could probably, and that's why I keep saying that October almost becomes the month to have something positive that says, let's give it a shot. And so if they have to give up September to get to October, then I'm all for it. Like I don't, I said yesterday to you, I don't think this is a flip the switch. I think just because the president talked to Warren and all of a sudden maybe he reassured him that the Big Ten would be taken care of, I just don't know whether that's enough for me to go all the way. But as you know, I've always had a heartbeat for this. I've always felt like that it'll, to me, and this may be the best way to put it, I almost think it's an upset if they don't. And I know you're not there. But I'm I'm almost there. I'm almost in the, the thing, and I, I'm preface it by all the things need the evidence needs to be seen. The yeah. confidence needs to go up. The presidents need to have a chance to save face by not reversing course immediately. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you more after you give your comment on it. Do you yeah, believe yeah, that anything no, you've heard of the last twenty four hours has tipped you? More than you were yesterday. Not really, AR. I think, like I told you, man, I've been trying to stay in the middle with all of this stuff. And I know yesterday was an exciting day, especially because you mentioned when you get the White House involved and uh, with some of the new information that we have about the rapid testing and all that floating out there. I think that absolutely is new information that can get you excited. But for me, until I, I hear more from the conference as a whole that they are willing to accept kind of a new way to go about it and embrace the new testing that's out there. And maybe think about the ideas of, you know, re- relaunching this thing. I'm going to stay where where I'm at with it, but I can't ignore some of the new signals that are out there. Ar, but on the same mm-hmm. on the same side of that. You, you see the kind of October 10th date being floated out there yep. potentially, and then you read some other tweets not too long after this stuff's being reported that that's a whole bunch of crap. And I saw a quote from, I believe, an AD or coach saying, F no, or something like that, that all this stuff is just smoke. So, yeah, this is the game that's being played. With all the new information that we get in regards to the Big Ten, there always seems to be something shortly after that that kind of calms down the flame just a little bit. So, yeah, like I think I'm in the same place that I was over the last few days where I do think that these administrators, these presidents and everyone involved, they are having new conversations and Mm -hmm. they should be having new conversations. But until I hear from them that the medical experts that they talked to before have reassured them that they can go forward with a football season in a football season fairly soon. I'm not going to get overly excited about all this stuff, AR. That, that's just where I'm at with it, and I understand that I may be in the minority with this based off some of the new information and people speaking on mm-hmm. the record and all of that stuff, but until I hear from Commissioner Kevin Warren that our medical experts have re- rechanged the course here and we feel good about the COVID situation and the new testing available, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I think i got to just stay neutral right now. You'd have to ask each president what was your biggest each each of the presidents that voted against the season starting or delaying or postponing whatever it is. I don't even know if we have clarity on where each president stood on August 11th with with their feel on 2020, late 2020, delay, 
cancel. Like, we don't even know that. Right. But until you got each president to go on the record on what their biggest concern is, because, you know, you've myocarditis, yep. um, lack of testing, uh, you know, liability, uh, amateurism, putting them, you know, as a necessary evil to try to prop up our athletic departments. The Olympic sports are dying. We need the big revenue sports. We need the TV partners. Like, Or, or can I not, in good conscience, put the games over that, you know, to try to just go to doubt. Like you, you have, you'll never know where each president stands until they say so, and they're just not saying so. I was watching, um, I agree with you on the medical thoughts. Their medical thoughts would need to change. League-wide testing is a box they need to check, and if they can check that box, I'm good with it. Like, that's a big one. That would be a big hurdle. I don't know if it is the hurdle. Like, it may be. It may be for some of them, and you don't need all of them to revisit this. But you cannot have a PR spin around that fast. Like, you couldn't have a snap back. If you had them snapping back right away, then it would be on the heels of the president calling Warren. And then if you thought this was political before, like, I just don't see that happening. I was watching Get Up this morning. Dan Orlovsky was on, and he said his reaction to something I, I disagreed with. I'll tell you what he said, and you can tell me whether you agree or disagree with it next. Um, we'll attack a lot going here with uh, the president of Ohio State. She's on the record now, did an interview. Uh, you'll hear from that on what she had to say and whether or not we should read into any specifics of it. There wasn't anything incredibly specific other than she's on the record and wanting to have a season. Is it sooner than later? We'll attack that next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. In case you haven't noticed, we have a thing about hiring former Buckeye linebackers. If we don't, they'll kill us. Bishop and Laurinaitis. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The fan. Dog advice? Check. Gambling advice? Check. Eating broccoli for every meal? Check. Yeah, I know you're hungry. This is Rothman and Ice. Welcome back. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice Hayes. Glad you're with us today. We go round and round a little bit. <laughs> round but and don't round. don't panic. Don't panic yet. I said not to panic. Don't panic. We'll chum the waters a little bit. There's still time. Uh, I, I don't I'm not trying to get anybody's hopes up, but and this is just the world we live in. We're in a twenty four hour news cycle. You're gonna get stuff, it's gonna get shot down, that it's gonna get propped up again. Uh, you're gonna get a lot of people who are emotionally attached to Ohio State football that are going to keep driving this narrative, and I and and for a lot of people, they hope it works within safety protocol. And a lot of people, including me, and I think you, do believe that they could have given this a shot to protect the walls of their program. No, there's no 100% guarantee that the virus wouldn't infiltrate the program, but they were going to build every last testing potential into place and bake it in there so that nobody got through those walls that was testing positive. It doesn't mean that you couldn't get a late incubation on something, and there goes the house of cards. I get it. We all get it. It's there's a it just the percentage of risk. But a couple things I want to mention. One, I think I heard T Bone talking about this yesterday about how you know Kevin Warren is is the public enemy number one with with Big Ten fans and. If this doesn't go, then how could he hand out a trophy at a conference championship game? There'd be too much. And I and I my response to that is 
Are you kidding? What, tell me a commissioner that is liked. Tell me a commissioner that is liked. What, Adam Silver is tolerated? Like, give me, give me a commissioner that goes up and hands up a trophy and says anything that isn't booed. Well, I will say Adam They're Silver is the guy that across the board I think is the Tolerated. most respected yeah. by the fan base. I don't think he's universally loved, but I do think he is kind of running away yeah. uh, with that race between all the other commissioners. There's no, there's no doubt about that. I also think with the vote, whatever you want to believe about the vote with the presidents, I'm not saying it takes any heat off Warren as far as he fumbled the message and tried to carry the message and was not transparent enough that he only revealed what he thought he had to until it backfired incredibly and none in the other conferences besides the Pac-12 didn't pull ripcord. And maybe he thought he'd be the leader of that and we're going to be the ones that that led with safety rather than hung on like grim death, which they didn't want to face. That backfired. We know that. The one thing I would tell you about Orlovsky that you said on Big Ten or on Get Up was he said, well, if 17 days ago you told us it wasn't safe to play, then I, as a parent or a, or a kid, I would need to be told – how the info they got back three weeks ago was wrong. And you know what my response to that is? Parents and kids, they don't need to be disproven. They already think it's wrong. They already thought it was wrong. Mm -hmm. The parents already think they are wrong. The parents aren't looking for proof. The parents have already dissected and poked holes in the original report. So if the Big Ten came back and said, well, we have more availability of testing, We've looked at the medical advice again. Now we've revisited it a couple, three weeks, a month later. Now we're more confident. I think that's all it would take. I don't think the parents, everything that you've heard and read, Maddie, it's the parents want to play. Like, I yeah. don't know too many parents that are on the other side, and I'm talking about parents of kids that are in the program. Right, right. And so when he said today that he thinks the parents are going to need proof and, and the Big Ten's going to have to admit that they were wrong three weeks ago. I, I don't agree with that at all. I think it's they already think you're wrong. Yeah. They just want you to admit that now you feel you can go forward. Like, I don't think there's got to be this big Kevin Warren, Big Ten presidents, throw yourself at the mercy of the fans and the parents and beg for their forgiveness so we can start playing again. No, they'll just... They'll just say what they have to say. I don't think the parents are going to hold them to much of anything other than, are you playing or are you not? The parents, from what I've seen, they just want clarity on this entire process, on the vote, on the medical stuff. And I understand that for the parents involved that are looking at their kid that may be a big-time NFL prospect or this was the chance for him to really launch his college career this season. Um, to have that taken away, I completely understand where they are you know, on that stance. I'm with you on the Olaski comment. With all everything out there, their, their vibe has been consistent across the board. Do they want a little bit more information? Of course, but uh, on the front of the conference now, I think moving forward, AR, I think the things that they are trying to iron out, it just has to be heavily slanted towards the medical side of this because you mentioned the heart issue that's been out there and that's been a real thing, uh, something that you can't ignore. And if they don't feel comfortable on that front alone dealing with the heart issue, then I don't know if this gets changed mm -hmm. because we can have the rapid testing. And we mentioned yesterday with the, you know, the Big 12 and Conference USA going to three times a week. Sure, that can make you feel better. But if their medical experts are, are going back to that one heart condition that we've been touching on so much, does that change the minds of these presidents? I don't think so. But And I can hear the other people saying, AR, well, it's not a ton of guys in college football 
that have this condition. But it all goes back to, do you want to be the one president, the one AD that has it go completely left and you have this on your resume? And I think a lot of them in their minds, the answer is clearly no. They don't want to go down that road. And I think also when you combine that with some of these presidents that are looking at their football program and their football team specifically this year and saying, eh, okay, well, what's the point in us really playing? Maybe that was a reason to you know lend towards the vote of no. But I just believe now as we sit here today on what the second, I think the conversations being had behind closed doors are, okay, well, do we feel that we can move forward with new medical information, the stuff that's been out there now? Are we comfortable with that? And if they don't feel comfortable with it, I don't think we're getting a season. I think this has to be 100% clarity on their part to say, okay, we have to change course because if you change course and this goes wrong again, that's just a whole mess right there, AR, and that's just a whole road that that, that just mm-hmm. gets really ugly for a lot of people involved if we have to go there again. Here, uh, WCMH Channel 4 had an exclusive inter- interview with Christina Johnson, the Ohio State president. Here she is on the protocols. It came out yesterday, of course, with that how I voted. That's no secret. I voted not to postpone. I think that, again... The kinds of things we've learned about how we can have what's called a clean field, you know, players on the field that are negative, that can play, that we can be playing football. And we're working through that process. We're working with the uh, Big Ten. We're working with the commissioner to try and get in place those sort of medical protocols where we can keep our students safe. And that's really what it comes down to. We want to make sure that our athletes get a shot because they've worked really hard, you know, and they deserve a shot to play. At the same time, we want to make sure that they're safe. So we're doing our work. We'll come back, and I'm uh, very hopeful that we'll be playing football this fall. Now, I don't know if she what if she clarified something on WOSU that she was in favor of delaying the start of the season. That she wasn't. She was against postponing till 2021, but she was like a lot of people. And okay, let's just not start. Mm-hmm. Let's not definitively pull the plug. Right. Um, here she is also on just kind of about sports in general at Ohio State, including football? Fall is a long time period of time, right? So fall goes till December 20th, right? So I'm hoping that, um, that yeah, I see that there's a path to football. Uh, people talk about winter, early spring, late fall, winter. I mean, those things are all being worked out. Again, I come back to our campuses need to be safe, and that means in the performances as well as in the classrooms. We're working very hard to do that. And if we all do our part, wear our masks, stay six feet apart, wash your hands, then, you know, I think that we've got the procedures in place to go forward. All right. So there's a, a slight hedge there, right? The, what I've been talking about the last few days about evidence, got to make sure we get on, a, on the right track and stay on the right track. Can't have a dip, can't have a, a, a step back, want to feel safe. She put the window of fall all the way till the end of December, kept everything on the table, mm-hmm. all with saying that. I'm for giving it a shot. Like so I think there's there's some positivity here, but I don't know about the specifics and here it is on maybe a decision. We have several subcommittees that was announced by the Big 10. So there's a medical subcommittee, there's a, you know, scheduling subcommittee, and these committees are working through very diligently every day about how to put in place those protocols that will keep it safe. So you know, as soon as possible. Uh, it's you know certainly something we'll be watching with the commissioner and in, in, integrating uh, uh, obviously our views and those of the um, our colleagues. 
We're back into wait and see mode, Maddie. And maybe for a lot of people, that's good enough that it's not 2021 or bust. Yeah. Like, at least, I don't know if it's enough for anybody to sink their teeth in, but we know where mm-hmm. she stands now. Mm-hmm. And we're back in wait and see mode. And, and I think it's important. It's funny, I was sitting there listening to the comments, and I was thinking about the comments that you've been making about these presidents. Why can't we get this from everyone else who voted? All these other 14 presidents that have been involved, everyone involved, they need to get on the record verbally and do something like Christina Johnson just did. I think it's important because when you read, uh, go back and look at some of the comments that Gene Smith made about how you know he, Coach Day, and Christina Johnson, Dr. Johnson, are all aligned, that that's important because we've also seen other other comments from coaches and within their same university, their ADs and presidents have said different things. So, yeah, I think the clarity on the Ohio State front isn't a shock to anyone, but the fact that she's on the record, I think it's something that you and I have been calling mm-hmm. for, and I think there's other presidents that need to follow suit. We'll take a break on this. We'll come back with Adam Schefter next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Season ticket holder from day one, us two. Now and forever, your flagship home of the Columbus Blue Jackets. The fan, Ohio sports destination. NFL Playbook with ESPN's Adam Schefter. All right, let's get after it with our guy, the senior NFL insider, Adam Schefter of ESPN. Schefter, good afternoon. What's going on there, Anthony? And Matty Ice, how you doing? guys doing? Everything's good, man. As we inch closer to the season, the Alvin Kamara thing cropped up. I, I, you know, there's there was some thought that maybe they were very close to getting something done, and maybe that's why he was just staying away for a little bit. You know, a lot. Michael Thomas did that, and you thought, okay, let's not tempt fate if we're close to yeah. to signing on the dotted line. And then your colleague Justine Anderson yesterday um, reported that. Out of the oh wow, the Saints may not be opposed to putting him on the trading block, and I almost fell over. Um, did something go sideways here? Where do we stand? No, no, it's been basically the same situation. When you're going through a negotiation where there is no real breakthrough, where it's hard for everybody to come together on the same page, um, I think all options are on the table. Right? He he could not show up. He could show up. They could give him a lower deal, higher deal. Look, uh, just because he comes up in a trade doesn't mean they want to trade him. But if you think about it, the Saints once traded Jimmy Graham when he was a great tight end. They once traded Brandon Cooks when he was a great wide receiver. And if they can't get a guy signed, at some point you just decide, okay, maybe we're better off going in a different direction. And, again, I'm not telling you that's what they're doing. I don't think that's the case at all. I, I just think that it's a situation where all options are on the table, anything. And so they're looking and reviewing everything to see what makes sense. Now, again, even if you were to trade Alvin Kamara, as great as he is, and he's a great player, who's giving up a number one pick for a running back a week before the season uh, and paying that guy top dollar? Who's doing that in a pandemic? You tell me. I don't see any teams doing that, Shefty. I don't see that happening, man. I don't. And just uh, sticking with the running back. Go ahead. Did you want to add anything to that, Shefty, or – no, I'm just choking a little bit. Go ahead. Keep, keep <laughs> okay, just making sure you're good. No, uh, just thinking with the running backs, man. Leonard Fournette no longer part of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think I saw yesterday, Shefty, he did go unclaimed on waivers. What are you hearing right yep. now? Do you may have a leader in the clubhouse as far as interest yep. goes for, for the uh, former LSU product? Yeah, I was told last night that there's some interest, but obviously, again, there wasn't enough interest that anybody claimed him on waivers, yeah. right? So um, you have that situation, and... You know, 31 teams passed on him, 
uh, for $4.1 million a year. So 31 teams are unwilling to pay him $4.1 million. So now the question is, who will pay him? What will they pay him? Um, great talent, great talent. I, I think teams have some questions about how he fits in a locker room, whether that's justified or not. I'm just telling you what I've heard. And so we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, the, the expense and the off-the-field stuff that you just mentioned, I, sometimes I feel like when a guy moves to another team, it's, his, you know, yes, he has baggage with him, but sometimes he can leave that baggage at the door because it's a fresh start and all that. But uh, do you think it was more the money or more the questions about his personality and the issues he's had? It was a little bit of everything, all taken yeah. together. Um, and when you factor all those things together, you, you get an equation where it's not, look, let's be honest, they, they've been trying to move on from the guy since last year. Sure. Right? I mean, before the draft, they were trying to trade him. Couldn't find anybody to take him. Um, couldn't find anybody to take him then. Couldn't find anybody to take him this summer. Uh, couldn't find anybody on waivers that claimed him. What, what, there's three things right there. What does that tell you? Sure. Yeah, no, no doubt. Adam Schefter joining us here on Rothman and Ice as he does every Wednesday right here at 1233. Shefty heading out to the left coast, man, looking at the San Francisco 49ers. They've been hit a lot with injuries, mainly it seems like to their playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Do you have an update potentially on Debo Samuel and where he is for his availability for week one? Yeah, they, uh, I, you know, here's the thing. I think they're going to be careful with him. I, I think they could rush it and get him on the field. I think he's probably just about healthy enough. I know they're going to have the doctor look at the pictures of his foot. But, well, you know, when you get a Jones injury, um, you, you want to make sure that it's healthy. Uh, and so if it means sitting him a couple of weeks and making sure that he's that much healthier, uh, I, I, I won't be surprised if that's what they do with him. But I don't think they've made a decision yet. Um, I think I'd be a little surprised if you were to play in the opener, but I don't think it's out of the question. Uh the fantasy draft special you guys did was amazing. I think it was last week where you guys were all you in like the, it. I really did. Yeah, I got on DVR and I went back, and then when they identified everyone's team and what their needs were, it was very cool. Uh, Maddie and I really, I think, I think we got screwed. We're picking. He's picking tenth, and I'm picking fourteen in a fourteen-team station league. Uh, in your experience, yeah, and the mock drafts that you've done, it seems like running back. Like everybody knows. Like running back, it goes running back so crazy early on. Yeah, are you? If we threw a few at you, like good, uh, you know, like Sanders and Drake, uh, Eckler, guys that he he and I are going to have a shot at probably later on. Is there someone that you like that's realistic in those spots? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I have my first draft tonight in a twelve-team league, and I'm picking eleventh. Mm. And I have my other draft, my ESPN War Room League draft. Uh, a week from tonight, and I am in a 16-team league, picking ninth. And so I'm ninth and eleventh, and I don't like the, I don't like either spot. Um, yeah. It's the way it goes. I mean, what, well, what unless, are you gonna do? I mean, unless someone like, well, what if like Clyde Edwards-Alaire dropped to you there? And I and I say drop, meaning maybe he'll already be there. But of the guys like Josh Jacobs, Ceh, Sanders, Drake, well, let me say Jones. This. If Ceh were there, he's my pick. Turn it yeah. in. Period. Period. At nine. Don't expect. Yeah, well, first of all, in our ESPN league, Lewis Riddick, who's a man of conviction, has been on record as saying that he would take Clyde Edwards Alaire at number one. Oh. And so he and and he got the number one pick. <laughs> Over McCaffrey? So he, he's he, he, I know Lewis and he is gonna wind up taking Clyde Edwards Alaire at number one. 
Yeah, wow. I, I love him, but there's other weapons on that team. Like, I, I just from a volume standpoint, I would think you take CMC. I mean, I, and I'm not saying that he's wrong about what kind of season that Clyde Edwards-Alaire might have, but when you have that amount of weapons on that team, I, I just feel like number one that that's a reach. I would make the argument that you could take Saquon Barkley at number one this year. Sure. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, I, lo- I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable player. One of them on my team, a hundred days out of a hundred. But stepping into a new offensive system with a new quarterback, I, I don't know how that's going to be. Like, I know he's going to be used, of course. But is he going to be as dominant as he was last year? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I-, I can tell you this. Jason Garrett in New York, I've seen what he does at running backs. He likes to run them. I, I think they're going to run Saquon like crazy. Yeah, no, it's fun stuff to talk about. Last one real quick for me, Shefty. Where's the NFL with their decision-making process right now with pumping in crowd noise or not? I know there's fans that care. I, I don't really care. I'm just wanting football. But where's yeah. the NFL on that whole process right now? Uh, I know that they were having those discussions. I have not heard a resolution. I would expect that they're going to allow crowd noise to be piped into the games. Look, I, I want to tell you something. When I watch these NBA playoff games, I'm blown away at how big they feel when they're being played at a gym in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Like, yeah. you would never know that. Yep. It feels like they're good. you couldn't tell much of a difference between watching a Rockets-Thunder game now or watching it as if it were played in Oklahoma City or Houston. It's solid. been good. Right? No, no doubt. It's been solid. It really has, Shefty. Yeah, I agree. So, well, well, why would they not allow crowd noise to be piped in in some form or capacity? Like... You know, it just it adds to the ambiance of the whole thing when there's no one there. I mean that that's that's where we are as a world and a country right now in 2020. It's, it's the state of the world. So I, I would just think that they would allow it, but um, we, we shall see. Any thoughts on not that this really matters, but I'm just curious about where the Bears are leaning as their Week One starter. Don't know. Um, I don't know. They have not said. I go back to my podcast in uh, June or July, the Adam Schefter podcast, if I could plug it. And I had Doc Rivers on, the Clippers coach, and he's a big Bears fan. And I said to him, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, sometimes you could be a part of something, and you're so close that it's hard to see. When you're inside the picture, it's tough to see the frame. And sometimes if you're outside, you can see it very clearly. And so I said to Doc, well, who's going to be the Bears quarterback? And he goes, I talked to Matt Nagy. It's Nick Foles. Like, I can't wait to watch Nick Foles in opening day. And I was like, like he said it so matter-of-factly. I was like, whoa. Because I, I, I'm not reporting that. I don't know that. I don't know who their quarterback is going to be. He was, it was like not even, it was a question. It was not even a question to him. Now we'll find out whether Doc Rivers is a better NFL insider than me next week, I guess. But uh, that's, my, that's my sense. And quick, and quickly, Tyrod Taylor is going to hold off Herbert for how long? Yeah. You think? Well, there's, there's zero surprise. Tyrod okay. Taylor was always going to be the starter, but Anthony Lynn just made it official today and said he will start against the Bengals on oh, opening okay. day. And okay, yep. And, and I mean, you know, again, frankly, I'll be surprised if Justin Herbert plays at all this year. They, you know, they would like Tyrod Taylor to be the quarterback all year long, and that's always been the case. All right, good stuff. Real good yeah. stuff. We, you know, we we're hoping real quickly. Maddie and I are both hoping that Kamara holds out just a few days longer because <laughs> our draft's on Monday, and mm-hmm. like we, I'm not. I don't know how far he would slide, but it certainly would scare some people. Is was, wait, was wait, Dal- wait, wait, hold on. What, what, what number too? do you both pick? What tenth. number do you both pick? Oh, oh tenth, we're, we're, we're done. He's tenth. I'm fourteenth. 
Same league? Yep. Same league. And is it PPR? Half PPR. What does that mean, cap PPR? No, uh, half. Half. Half point oh, half, per, per reception. Well, I, I've, no, I've never done half PPR, so I don't know how that works. Um, I'm, I'm in full PPRs, but I would just say this, that um, I'd have no issues going Miles Sanders, Austin right. Eckler. Mm-hmm. Um, the Drake? I, I'll say that. Uh, I'll, I, I, I would go Drake, but if I get Drake, I am going to make sure that I got Chase Edmonds early, early. Yeah. Like J- and then he's on, he's on my team. No, not in a, well in a half PPR maybe. See that I don't. I've never been in a league like that to know. Mm-hmm. Hey, but I, he's not going to catch the ball much, and so don't really trust it. I, and I guess the same is true of Nick Chubb. But I, I love I love Chubb this year. Love Chubb this year. And um, and and here's my question for you guys: Just being there. See when Joe Mixon signs that contract the way he does. Uh, that that kind of gives me added confidence, and and I've never taken Joe Mixon before, but I actually I, I wouldn't be opposed to the idea of it now. What do you think? He's a stud, Shefty. I think the only question mark I would have is how healthy is that offensive line? They've been banged up the last couple of years, but you look at the production even last year with the banged up offensive line, the dude was balling. So no, I would be fine with having him as my RB one. I think Burrow's going to use him a little more in the passing game. I would like that. I worry about their at-bats in the red zone where I think Chubb will score more touchdowns, but I do think they're both workhorses. They'd both be 250-plus carries, no problem. Um, it's just a matter you know, whether, you, whether touchdowns might put it over the top and be the tiebreaker for you uh, mm. with Chubb versus Mixon, but I think they're both really good. All right, we, you know what? Just check your DMs, Shefty. We're going to be attacking that soon <laughs> over the next few days. <laughs> Don't leave you us hanging. Good, good luck in your drafts. Thanks. You and, too, and, uh, and we'll be in touch next week. Thanks, awesome. Thank you. Adam Schefter, senior NFL insider for ESPN. That was great. Yeah, that was good. Uh, yeah, I mean, he brings up some good points on those guys, but he said not to worry about. I mean, I think he said don't worry about Kamara and Cook, like as far as drafting and being worried about holdouts and things like that. Or uh, I think the Tyrod nugget yeah. that he drops pretty interesting, yeah. too. I know we got, maybe we could weigh in on that coming back to some of that stuff that he said, but I think that's pretty intriguing. Yeah, let's do it next. Rothman Ice on the fan. This is Ohio State football coach Ryan Day on your home for Buckeye football, the fan. Ohio sports destination. One of them survives on almonds and broccoli. The other crushes frozen pizza in his unwashed sweats. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, good stuff there with Sheffy. We'll get back to uh, some Ohio State stuff top of the hour. On a certain aspect of this season that I want to get to, we'll do that top of the hour. Um, did you think that you thought that Tyrod? Like I didn't think that's a surprise. Uh, he's he can be a serviceable quarterback. Um, Chargers have improved their offensive line. Um, they've got a good. Well, they had a pretty good defense. They still have a really good defense, right? Um, yeah, what's crazy to say when you lose a guy like Derwin yeah. James, who's going to be out six to eight yeah. months? You I mean you could still view them positively on the defensive side of the ball, which I, I definitely still do. I just thought it they was run surpri- the ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought it was surprising AR because we know when teams invest in a first round quarterback, which the Chargers obviously did, that that guy is going to end up playing eventually. Now, Shefty, he's not lying. They may be telling him that that's the plan that they want to roll with Tyrod for the entire season, but. 
I thought they missed an opportunity to go get a guy like Cam Newton because I thought that this was a mm-hmm. team that could, that's still in win-now mode. I didn't think that you needed a guy like Tyrod or you needed a rookie quarterback because you're not in rebuild mode. I think they're in the conversation, or at least as a potential playoff team. I know they got to deal with the Chiefs right there in their own division, but maybe their schedule has something to do with it. I don't know. Anthony Lynn, I don't know how comfortable his job has been. His name's been floated around at the end of the, at the, end of the last couple seasons as a guy that could be on a hot seat because they have so much talent and they haven't got it done but three of their first five weeks they are they see Pat Mahomes Tom Brady and Drew Brees so maybe that's part of the equation as well because we you know maybe you don't want your rookie quarterback going out there and having to go toe-to-toe with those guys and maybe you feel a little bit comfortable with Tyrod I just think sometimes coaches um, can view the rookie as a guy that needs more time and in some cases that ain't the right way to go about it we just saw this kind of happen with Tyrod up in Cleveland where maybe he was trying to save his job and he went with the veteran guy. Not saying it's a mistake, but I think we know what Tyrod Taylor is and for a squad that you know I think has a ton of talent, um, I don't know if that's the smartest decision if you have playoff aspirations. You've been watching Hard Knocks at all? I haven't. I got them all recorded. Okay. I love the show. I just you haven't might, watched it. You might change your opinion if you do. Okay. Because Herbert's admitting that the amount of information he has to take in catches up to him at times. Mm-hmm. Like, that's real. That, that's a real admission of, here we go, I'm in the NFL now. So I, I, I do believe most times starting a veteran that you think is serviceable with a good defense and a running game you're going to lean on might be the way to go than throwing the baptism by fire and the rookie in there who's already admitting that this is a lot to take on right now. The part, the, no, I agree with you, and, I, and I'm glad that you brought that up because that's important. Because we've seen, you know, reports about how Cam has struggled a little bit out in New England, but I'm sure everyone is trying to cram all this stuff in due to the the whole pandemic. The part that I thought was intriguing, Agar, was the part where Shefty said the entire year. Like mm-hmm. that to me was no, that just kind of shocked me a little bit there because I don't. I don't know. I won't be surprised if Justin Herbert takes the job from him eventually. I do think the start of the year definitely is a challenge, but as Herbert, you know, in practices feels better as we get closer to week yeah. seven, eight, and nine, and they got a bye week in week 10 AR coming out of that bye week, week 11 through the rest of the season, I won't be surprised if there's a quarterback change. You never know. Tyrod yeah, could play if their well. season is Correct. going That's it. backwards or That's sideways, it. then yeah, then of course. And he's got to learn the offense. And once he gets it down if the timing works out where he's learned the offense and they feel confident in him and the other guy's not playing well then yeah it might be out of necessity I think this move right now is they probably feel like this is their best shot but I agree with you if they were going to go all in they should have gone all in with Cam and not with some you know high ceiling low floor dude like I don't know that's that's where they stand all right let's take a sports center update break here we'll come back second hour of the program and we'll dive in a little bit to, you know, the sensitivity of, of what the Ohio State season has to be, when it has to start, for it to all matter. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Unlike your deadbeat uncle, we'll never leave you stranded in a ditch when you were six. This promo may have been a touch too specific. The fan. Just a couple of guys whose love for fantasy sports may exceed their love for real sports. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice. Fan studio sponsored by Lindsay Honda. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. We really are, the more I think about it. You and I are just really dead in the water kind of with fantasy for the, for the league, 
forestationly. It's payback. I mean, I, I do. You it's know what? I, I, I do take it though as a challenge. And now that the bar is very low, as far as drafting fourteen in a fourteen-team league, first of all, it's too many teams. Like I like, I'd rather be the minimum ten. The max, I mean, ten would be perfect. That way, everyone's got a pretty robust. It makes the drafting more fun. It puts you and I are you're in a fine position at ten. Like I think you're going to get a stud. Like I think you'll still get a stud at ten. Not one of the big, obviously not one of the big ones. And I'm serious when I said that you should hope. It really would have helped you if Kamara would not go back to practice. Like, you need to create some mystery. Either either, either have him available to you at 10, which would be great value. I don't see him. He's not missing the season, right? I mean, it's not that. I, so, I, don't, th- yeah, I don't think it, so either. I, I don't think so. I could be wrong, but I, I would if I was you at ten, I would hope that he would stay away yeah. through Monday night and get people above you to pass on him because they just wouldn't want to risk it. Now maybe there'll be no risk. Maybe he'll still be taking fifth or fourth, but I doubt it. I see him sliding to at least sixth. Like I if unless something happens over the next few days, so I take that back. If he's back at practice today, did Chefty tell us he was back today? Can't remember if he said that or not. I don't remember him saying that. I mean, then he said everything's in play, and I, it made me think. Like, I wonder if you know things have gone sideways in the negotiation for Kamara with the Saints, and then somebody you know in the Saints organization tells Justine Anderson, "Well, we might trade him." Of course. Okay, so she repo- so she reports it. Not that I mean, he's probably sitting at home going, "Okay, like Chefy said, where are you going to trade me? Who's giving up what you're going to want back to trade me? Come on, right, right." right. It may be a veiled threat. But you need to hope for that. You need to, when you're sitting at ten, you need to hope for those kinds of holdouts, like or hold ins, like Cook and and Kamara, because I think you would take one of those guys at ten if they fell to you. Despite even if you were nervous about it, I think you would. For me, it's a completely different deal, Maddie. It's I need people to take Mahomes. I need people to take Lamar. I need people to mm-hmm. take Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Like they have to go in front of me. If they don't. I'm done. Yeah. Like there, like I feel like, and I think that could easily happen because, and it's not like I wouldn't be. I would have a huge problem with having Aaron Jones. I just feel like, you know, fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. If I go back to back running back, then I'm going with guys that better live up to everything this year. And and maybe I would get a lot of production out of those guys like Drake or Eckler or something like that. But it would make me probably go back-to-back gambling with a running back and a top receiver. Like, I probably could get, like, Thomas is not getting to 14. So I can already admit that that's good, right? Thomas isn't getting to 14. Yeah, yeah. That's no, not happening. No, I don't see that happening either. Not in an Ohio league. No. no. <laughs> He's too much of a beat. I don't care what, what league it is, honestly. People, uh, you know, you Michael Thomas is falling to 14. I think it no, matters. I, I, think I think it Mixon does matter. and Chubb go earlier than in Ohio leagues than they would normally. I, I think, think they're studs, Thomas would. They're, they're studs across the board, yeah. but I definitely think if you're a Bengals or you're a Browns Zeke. fan and you're looking, yeah, no doubt, all three of those names and you're looking at your guys, a former Buckeye and two guys that strap it up for both Ohio teams on Sundays, absolutely that emotional aspect of it comes into play because on one side you've got the emotion and then the other side you've got, okay, well this guy is a heck of a player so I can absolutely do that. I got to tell you, like yeah, I'll be open and honest in here. Uh, the hotline may be blinging at number 10. I am warming oh, up wait, to what? Kenyon Drake. I am warming up 
to Kenyon Drake. The I'm not Drake. even going to lie. I'm not going to hide it. I know maybe some of our guys and gals are listening. I think listening you should throw a lot of league, smoke. But throw I do like smoke, me. Baby. You know I've been all over the Kyler Murray thing. I, I think mm-hmm. I'm all in on Kyler Murray, and I think what comes with that is Kenyon Drake balling out like he did last year and mm-hmm. – they gave him the bag this year. He's mm-hmm. playing on the, what, $10 million or one of those mm-hmm. tags. So, um, no, I'm interested. I'm, I'm definitely interested in that name. I know that wouldn't I be like as it. sexy as taking Kamara, one of those household names that we've known for the last couple of years. But the hotline may be blinging for your boy at number 10. I thought you meant like you might be like into trading or something. Oh, no. I, I was just you know, trying to hotline blink. Trying to tie a little Drake reference into Kenny oh, sure. Drake there. That's all. You know, yeah, no, no, no I get all. it. I also thought maybe you could maybe leave it open for a little movement. <laughs> oh, you want to uh, want me to call the wrong dogs? <laughs> call that front office, huh? Yeah, maybe, you know. Maybe swap. Maybe you want the, the, the quick snake. Um, maybe I throw in a later pick and you get the quick snake at 14 and 15. Oh, man. Uh, oh, either way, I look at it as a challenge. You're right. I mean, one of us had to be in the top five or six. I think even, I think you could go as late as seven and feel good about your draft order. Sure. I think eight starts getting to a weird spot unless Mixon falls to eight, which he probably could. You probably could get him there. You might even get Chubb at eight. CEH, that's the big question. Like, I can't believe that Louis Riddick said he drafted him. I, I, I love like, it. At I, one, Because, come on. look, I told you, was it last week, you asked me where I would feel comfortable mm. taking him. And I said right after those main guys. And we had a fun conversation, and you were throughout before Henry and before Cook. And I said, you know what? Yeah, uh, I, it's a risk. There's no doubt it's a risk. But I think the potential upside of that dude, man, playing in that offense. Look, they drafted him in the first mm-hmm. round for a reason. When they had Damian Williams on the roster, I know he's not playing, but they had a guy at the time who they could have been confident in. And now you get him with Mahomes and all those weapons. You got to back off on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a stud. What did he catch? 55 passes at LSU last year. Well, he'll catch. He'll probably catch 50 in this offense. I and agree. I just it's, think that in, with half-point PPR, I think there's a ton of value there for CEH. But there is no question Not a that, number one, though. Like the I'm not, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it either. I, I, I think mean, that's a little out of bounds. I, I'm with you on that. But once you got me past those two guys, I'm, I would think about it. I mean, what I wanted to say to Schefter was, so Louis Riddick believes that CEH is going to be more productive st- statistically than Christian McCaffrey? Like, and, and I'll go through all of them with you. I don't think he'll get more touches. I don't think he'll get more yards. I think it's possible he could equal him at touchdowns. I don't think he sniffs him in pass catching. Like he is a you, walk. He has the potential in my eyes to do a thousand and a thousand. Like, I, I think that's in play for Christian McCaffrey every year. I, I think he is that special. So no, I, I can't. He get did there. it last year. I know that's he what I'm did saying. It last year we have I, the I evidence. I can't he, get there. He, so if you're, that's what I'm telling you. He caught 116 passes. And you're telling me you're going to take CEH over him at number one? I can't do it. I'm in all conversations on at five, or you start thinking about him seriously. Yeah. Like after after McCaffrey, after Barkley, after Zeke. Now the Kamara's got a little bit of a something stewing here. I would almost think about him at four, but you cannot tell me. This in uh, your right that you would feel right about drafting no, of course you him wouldn't. at number one. Of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't do it number one. And McCaffrey just got the bag. They just paid him all the money too, so they're going to make sure that they pay off on that. No, outside of 
Zeke, Saquon, and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I can't do it. After that, that's fine. I, I have to strongly consider when the clock comes up and my name is up there, and it's yeah. between you know Dalvin or Kamara or Aaron Jones or Derek Henry. Henry, yeah. The upside of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, it's yeah. huge in my opinion. In it a is. PPR for sure. Yes, I, I agree. But you still are competing with those weapons. But you're going to get all that red zone stuff. You're going. I mean, remember you who you're competing. He's got a lot of weapons. And I think that takes a little heat off the running game, too. So I think he'll have a, a good chance. There's no, there's no argument that he's going to have a very good season. And this is all based on outside of injury. We have no idea. Yes, McCaffrey got dinged up early then for sure. But if you're going on paper, Louis Riddick taking CEH at number one, when you have all that evidence of CMC and what you've had there and the $30 million guaranteed and all of that that you just said – then it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I'll, be, I'll be very interested to see what's happening there. Um, oh, I love this tweet from uh, the Scott. Uh, can Anthony Rothman sandbag his fantasy draft order anymore? What do you think I'm doing here, Scotty? What do you think I'm doing here? You, what do you think I'm new to the part? You think I'm some like rookie here? Some greenhorn? Come on. This is a, this is a, a savvy move about blowing smoke to... Anybody in our league that might be listening, that's right. I mean, I give just, me a break. If you haven't listened to the show long enough, um, we do the research here. This is, we're just throwing stuff out here. Um, I, look, man, when you look at Kansas City, the way that their squad has been built the last couple of years since Mahomes pulled up to the scene and just been dracarsing everyone in his path – it has just been well. Can they run the ball when it matters? I, I I think the that is the elephant in the room here. The other running, they've been trying to figure this out to find a horse. I think over the last couple of years, and like I said, when you go out and go get a guy in the first round, and remember, Ar believe he was the first running back taken in this draft. So they had the pick of the litter of all the running backs involved, whether it's DeAndre Swift, mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, all these guys. And Andy Reid looked at him and said, "That's." the guy I need and there was Brian Westbrook comparisons you know how much of a beast he was under Andy Reid we're not we're we're you and I aren't disputing the potential of Clyde Edwards Alaire I think we're disputing as we get closer to the fantasy season of do you think it would be worth it to jump on board with what Shefty told us about Lewis Riddick and we can't get there I just think it's way too much of a risk when you've got the proven products in Barkley and McCaffrey staring at you right in your face that's all I think no that's it that's the bottom line there's nothing to dispute there I love the fact that he's going to take a chance on him that's fine we'll see if he's right That'll be very interesting. And you're right. I like Swift and uh, Jonathan Taylor. Yep. And those guys. Now, it also depends on where and who drafts you, like where you fit in. No doubt. Uh, Let's see. We got a a tweet here on the Kamara situation from Ian Rappaport. Saints running back Alvin Kamara and Coach Sean Payton had a nice talk this morning, clearing the air. Kamara is expected back at practice today, and the two sides will keep working at making sure he's there long term. Okay. It's not surprising (laughs) if Sean Payton knows that he needs Alvin Kamara. Like I, I thought, you know, you mentioned this Josina Anderson report that came out yesterday. Man, I I thought it was a complete leverage play through the media by the team, and to you know, wake up the agent in Kamara's camp just a little bit. I, man, you you talk about something that would have completely blown me out of the water. It would have been if the New Orleans Saints decided to trade Alvin Kamara. Like it could be from the the other side too. Let's not let's not rule out the small percent of Kamara kind of getting the 
like his side out there on, all right, if you don't want to give it to give me this, then move me or I'm unhappy. It's just another way to say you're unhappy. And who knows? Who knows what's planted in the media? But I agree with you. It's mostly come. It would mostly be coming from the Saints. But no, I think they'll get something done. I threw out. What did I throw out yesterday? Max, like like three or forty. Like I think that would be max. Probably be somewhere in the high thirties. Well, he's going to want what Joe Mixon just got, right? At minimum, I would think four forty eight. I mean, look, yeah. I think they're similar players. I know. I just don't know if they're going to give it to him. Which is uh, fair. No, that's a fair question to ask. He's not a workhorse but, back. He's a great talent. He's not the workhorse. Hmm. He's great in that system. He catches a lot of passes. He's their number two weapon in receiving. He's their number one weapon at running back. So you he, wouldn't. He, you would, he's great for who he is with who he is. You would but he's have the, not the Henry Zeke dude. You know what I'm saying? I guess I kind of view him as that guy, and I know that they've had Ingram and they brought in Latavius Murray, and I, but I just know that he wasn't healthy last year, so I don't know if we had the chance to fully see that, but there is evidence to support what you're saying. I would have confidence, I, I think, in the ability of Alvin Kamar to be that guy. I think he is that talented, um, but... I guess if I'm a Saints fan and you told me that we paid him the same money we paid Joe Mixon, I wouldn't flinch yeah. at that. I think that's I think it's well deserved. And I guess the other option is they are if you remove Alvin Kamara, does that maybe does not him maybe not come back to haunt you, but does that hole come back to haunt you on your roster? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. Latavius Murray is fine in the role that he's in. But Alvin Kamara, it's a significant gap between the two, and I think what he brings to them in the passing game. You talk about th- three years in a row, eighty-one catches. No, no, I'm I'm all for what he does with yeah. with who he does it with and where he plays and everything he means to that team. But if you're going to pay him like a workhorse, I think that's where this thing is been contentious. I I do believe so. We'll see what happens. All right, let's take a break. Let's come back and and discuss what we wanted to there about October. Is it truly in play? For Ohio State, or is it still a pipe dream? That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. The offseason is a myth. Serving you 24 hours a day, seven days a week to feed your sports addiction. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. Your home for hockey and hounds. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, Rick Neuheisel coming up bottom of the hour, 133. Rothman and Ice. I wrote back to uh, the Scott who tweeted me sandbagging about my draft order. Like, do you think 14's good? Like, what's, what's like, it's awful. Everybody knows if, it. If like, I accept it. the challenge. That's all I said. I accept the challenge of trying to make the playoffs sitting in the 14th spot. Yeah. But that's not sandbagging. Like, that's real. I guess you're you not can, in a great spot either, but you're no, better than me. I'm not, and I guess you can view it potentially as something good with the you know the picks that you'll have at wide receiver coming right yeah. back around. You'll have some pretty good names to pick from, but yeah, I think you're caught in a tough spot, no question. Yeah. All right, I think the October situation is alive. I wouldn't call it alive and well. The only way people keep asking the question, what's the difference between Thanksgiving and October? Like, if you think it's going to be safe, they don't know if it's going to be safe in Thanksgiving. They have no clue in their own minds whether it'll be different. They need evidence. They're going to need something. They're either going to need the medical evidence to make them more confident, or then the big plan will be delay, 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 and they'll put a Thanksgiving plan together. But as Buckeye fans know, it means nothing to them. It probably won't mean anything because they're in no man's land. I heard Dan Patrick say the other day or yesterday that his source believed that October 10th is like the drop-dead date 
for being involved in a playoff. I don't. Is anybody from the college football playoff committee on record as saying how many games teams need to play to be considered? I, I unless I that. missed it. Yeah, I have not seen that either. I'm with someone you. needs to ask them that. That question needs to be asked to the chairman. Like that has no to doubt. that because that unless behind the scenes they already know. But I I'm only going on. I don't think Ohio State has to play ten games to be considered. Now, if you only played six and lost one of them, okay, you're, you're probably out. Yeah, you're cooked. Like, like you better look really good in the ones that you are going to play. But I just keep coming back to until someone says out loud, yep, minimum eight games, minimum ten games, well, then we would know the urgency of starting October 10th. Yeah, Bama's no Bama's going to play their third game on October 10th. Clemson will be playing their fourth Mm-hmm. You can play catch up to that a little bit. Like, is it yeah. fair if they play ten and you play seven? Of course not. Uh, it's not. Maybe not, but maybe you'd be seated fourth then, right? Right. Instead of number yeah. one, I don't know. Yeah, no, like, I think it's great that you're bringing up all this stuff because I think it's very important. And that date, the start time of the season, is absolutely huge. But it goes back to the conversation that we had to start the show with this new information that's out there. You know, with the White House and Kevin Warren sitting down having a, a conversation. Does the Big Ten as a whole, the commissioners and everyone involved, feel better better about the medical advice that they can get, or about the medical um, the medical situation going forward? If that's not the case, I don't think. We're we're getting a, a situation that's changed here. And absolutely, on the competition side of things, I think in my eyes, I think eight feels better than six. Like if you told me an eight-game season can get you into the conversation, I absolutely think that would be a real thing. I think if we flipped the situation and we were playing and we were having conversations of do we think Bam and Clemson deserve to be in the mix if they only played six games, I think I would probably say no. So I think on the flip side of that, I do think eight games to me would be kind of a fair assessment for a football team. But at the end of the day, if Ohio State goes out there and they got a donut up there in the L column, I think they're going to get the benefit of the doubt because of the carryover from last year and the track record that Ohio State has just as a football program. So I think eight games they are, if they're 8 0 and Clemson and Alabama, those teams are 10 0. I think that's enough. I don't know if six is quite enough to get you in that conversation. It may not be. Yeah, and it depends know. on what the other games look like. If the SEC is playing the big boys of their conference and those games go a certain way, It'll, that'll be an interesting debate for us to have. I don't even know how many of the Big Ten schools would be willing to go forward, even if Warren, I mean, maybe the president, if Warren gave him the thumbs up. And they felt like the testing was where it needed to be. Uh, a month from now, the confidence meter goes up. Well, then, okay, but how many of the Big Ten teams are going to go do it? And how many, you know, even if you want to play eight or ten, will there be enough opponents for you? Like, there are, there are still many hurdles to this. Mm-hmm. Because if you go on what is being reported, that 11 said no well, then they're going to need to get a few to change their mind, a handful. 
And what's going to change their minds? Is it going to be, do they feel comfortable with the testing, the heart condition, the amount of testing, like all of that? All of it, including their own eyes of what they see on other campuses. Correct. And then when we get that stuff ironed out, you know, the travel dates and how early do you travel, day of travel, all that stuff comes back into focus. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is here is today we need to hear more from the conference, which is something that we've been repeating. But it's important because they haven't clarified enough throughout this whole process. I would love love to know from the college football playoff committee how many games do you deem as minimum requirement or do you or is it open-ended i'd love to hear that i would love it too and i don't know if they'll go on the record with that just yet all right we'll come back we'll talk to rick neuheisel rothman and ice on the fan if you're looking for the radio home of the crew you've come to the right place because if we weren't this promo would be very stupid proud to be your crew station the fan Movie references you may not get, even if you saw the movie. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back, Rothman and Ice. Very happy to welcome back to the program Rick Neuheisel, the former Pac-10 championship coach, Rose Bowl coach, and all-around good dude. Rick, welcome back. <laughs> it's nice to be back with you. Yeah, when I when someone's calling me a good dude, that's the kind of program I want to be on. That's it, baby. All right, well, let me take you back. Let's go on the Wayback Machine for a little bit, and let me see if my memory serves me correctly. Um, Rose Bowl against Purdue, correct? As a coach, that's correct. And that's I right. Got to play, I got to play in a couple Rose Bowls back in 83 and 84 against Michigan and Illinois. Yeah, and you were an MVP in, in that one, correct? Against Illinois, nineteen eighty-four. Yeah. You have quite the memory. Yeah. All right. Here's here's where I where I really wanted to take you. You had to prepare for Drew Brees in that Rose Bowl, did you not? Yes, we did. What Jim was the Cheney. Jim Cheney was the coordinator at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, Jim now is uh, the coordinator at uh, Tennessee, having left uh, Georgia to do that. So he's been all over the place. What was that like preparing for Drew at that time? Not you know he, his his legendary status as a kind of a cardiac kid in college and what he could provide, that basketball on grass at Purdue that we had seen firsthand here at Ohio State. What was it like preparing that Rose Bowl for him? What do you remember? Well, they threw it all over the lot. I think he had a game that year where he threw 82 times. Uh, so they, he, he was their offense. They had a kid by the name of Taylor Stubblefield, I think was their leading receiver. Uh, and so we had a very young defense, a bunch of – uh, sophomores uh, playing in the secondary and so it was going to have to be a simple plan and hopefully just play fast and and uh, fortunately we found a way to win that day it was a heck of a game and, and I remember meeting Drew Brees who was a wonderful kid uh, we uh, both teams went to Disneyland right as part of the experience there at the Rose Bowl and all my kids who now are give you an idea are 28 25 excuse me 28 26 and 23 those three boys met Drew Brees, and only one of them could get on uh, the rides that say you have to be this tall. <laughs> Drew Brees was barely that tall to get on those rides. I'm, and to think that he is now going to be enshrined as one of the all-time greats is uh, quite the story. He has been, I, I call it, he, he has revolutionized passing because he, in my mind, is the first to really take the back shoulder throw, throwing people mm-hmm. open to a new level. And uh, I call it, it's called breezing. When you breeze, you can throw people behind them and they just find ways to make plays. And uh, he and Sean Payton have been quite the duo. 
No doubt, no doubt. And coach, it's been, you know, very trying times here, very confusing times here in, in Big Ten country. And, you know, obviously where we're located here in Columbus, a lot of people are a little upset with what's been happening. Just from the outside looking in, coach, and just there's been so much to unpack. What What is just your, your view of what's happening in Big Ten country right now when it comes to college football? I feel horrible for those folks. You know, I was born in Wisconsin. Uh, my mom and dad are Dick and Jane, right? I, I was this close to being named Spot. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they're both from the state of Wisconsin, both went to the University of Wisconsin. So uh, Big Ten football has been part of what we've talked about in my house for since I grew up. Obviously, we're out in the West, and, and we transitioned to the Pac-12. But uh, Big Ten football is important, and I can only imagine the pain that is being felt there in Columbus given the team that was returning given the kind of commitment and sacrifice these kids were willing to make to play, given the fact that the state has decided it's okay to play high school football, given the fact that the Browns and the Bengals are both going to play, the Bearcats are going to play, it, it, to me, it defies logic. It it, it makes no sense, and someone's got to have a better answer than what's been given in the Big Ten. Listen, it's high ground to say health and safety and wellness. It's high ground, and it can always be defended, and I think we all salute that. But then you have to give some measure of transparency, and then you have to ask yourself, well, how in the heck can we be on this high ground, and yet we're saying it's safe for everybody else? Can't we at least kick the can as everybody else is? Because the commissioners in these other power conferences are not guaranteeing that they're going forward. They're just saying we're going to try. And why couldn't that have been the uh, course of action for the Big Ten, especially in a league that's still saying, you know what, we can practice 12 hours. I just talked to a Michigan coach yesterday that says they're still practicing. And so if that be the case, it's, it's very difficult to explain to these people and players in particular who have sacrificed and put so much into it, not only getting ready for the season, the rigors that go with that, along with that, which they're used to, but also the rigors of you know, this quarantining, the quasi-bubble that's been built on all these campuses. I, I just don't understand where these presidents can say they're going to be safer now because they're not playing football. We're seeing all sorts of outbreaks of, of COVID all over the country because there's been a return to campus. So they're saving the ecosystem financially of their universities, but they're not at all concerned about the ecosystem of their athletic departments, given that they're asking these teams to step aside and, and watch. He's Rick Neuheisel, uh, former player and coach with us here on Rothman and Ice. He's on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Rick, how much do you buy into the fear of the liability? They are the college kids who were voicing a little bit of demands. If you were going to trot us back out there to prop up your athletic departments and save non-revenue sports, then we'd have to deem you necessary and that would that takes you down a weird road i know we've done the name image and likeness i I know health and safety like you said can be defended because there's uncertainty and even though the other conferences are going forward we we don't know 100 percent it's the right decision but how much you think of just the whole aura of we need you because the money got to get these games on tv like how much of the liability was there in case something happened these schools were afraid of it it's, it's a giant issue. It's a giant issue. But again, where's the liability to having kids come back to campus? I mean, you're inviting them back. You're putting them in dorm rooms. You're telling them to spread out. But, but the facts of the matter are, as you know, that, that the likelihood is small. And, I mean, I can 
find uh, an attorney or two that says, you know what, you put him in harm's way by having him back on campus at all. And and so I, I think the liability still exists. I, I just and, and by the way, they're still practicing. I mean, you're still saying it's okay to be together for 12 hours. We had one football game. It was Central Arkansas and Austin P. Uh, reportedly, now again, I'm getting my facts like most of us, you know, via the, the Twittersphere and, and all of the other uh, outlets out there. But reportedly, neither Central Arkansas or Austin P. had any positives after the game. And if you watch the game, it was as sterile an environment as you could imagine, given the fact that referees had masks, most of the coaches had masks, except those ones that were yelling <laughs> at their, their troops out there. Uh, the fans were removed from the action. Uh, to me, it, it was a good college football game, uh, won by Central Arkansas 24-17. It's fun to watch. I watched it from start to finish. I can't remember having done that with an FCS game. And, and yet uh, we got out of it okay. As a matter of fact, Central Arkansas is going to play tomorrow night against UAB. If, if you're seeing it actually done and you can know that the kids that are haven't opted out and, and clearly – we, from a liability standpoint, the fact that they had the opportunity to opt out helps. Uh, that I just think that uh, it, it's worth doing, uh, given the fact that we have seen all sorts of athletic endeavors perform successfully. Yeah, no doubt. Coach, you know, right now as I sit here, you know, in my mind, uh, you know, I haven't fully – you know, embrace that there isn't going to be a Big Ten season. I've been down the middle of it, but now I'm kind of kind of training my mind to look at the other conferences and things that I'm going to be intrigued to follow throughout the year. So of the teams and of the conferences, Coach, that we know are playing right now as we sit here on the second, what jumps out to you that's something that you want to really follow this year to kind of see unfold maybe for a specific team? Well, I, I find it fascinating that we're going to have an ACC schedule uh, that has 10 conference games and includes Notre Dame. Notre Dame is going to be a conference member. Uh, I think that'll be interesting to poll the Notre Dame subway alums out there as to whether or not they liked it, want to go back to being independent, uh, what, what they thought of the experience, uh, should it come to pass that we get through the year. I also find it interesting that the ACC and the SEC, the two, uh, Power Five conferences that have been, you know, hell bent to stay at eight conference games while the rest of, uh, uh, the power conferences have all gone to nine conference games, including the Big Ten. I, I find it interesting that they're going to both play ten, and what will it look like when the dust settles if we get to see that a finish line? Having played ten games, will there be a little bit more carnage, uh, as has been the case in the other conferences? Only nine-game playing conference uh, conferences have missed the college football playoff. Both the SEC and the ACC have been in every year. Uh, in the SEC once with two teams. And with that being said, uh, it, it, it obviously is beneficial to have only eight. It'll be interesting to see what, uh, what it looks like after playing 10. Uh, MVP quarterback at UCLA won a Rose Bowl, then went on to have an, an excellent coaching career, won a Rose Bowl with Washington, beating Purdue in 01. Let me do this in our final minute. And I asked this to uh, Maddie before you came on. I think the college football playoff committee – uh, has a minimum number of games that they would require a Big Ten team or an Ohio State to play to be considered? Or do you think it's such a wild year that if they played six or seven and another conference played eight or ten, that they would just discuss it as if that's that it's open-ended? It's just we have to decide the four best still. 
Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think the, 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 your answered your question and it's the four best. And mm-hmm. I think if we got, if we got to seven, I, I, my original thought was eight, but if we got to seven and somebody ran the table like a Ohio State team and, and looked good doing it, uh, that it would be hard to keep them out. Uh, and, and I don't think anybody would blink. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody would blink, uh, at the end of the day, given the fact that this is such a one-off type of season. I think we're just happy to have games. We're happy to see these kids have an opportunity to fulfill their dreams. And as I remember being in the locker room as a player, and I remember being in the locker room as a coach, you can't imagine how important it is to everybody involved to get a season done. So uh, I got my fingers crossed that something good will happen. I understand that decisions have been made, and it's hard to walk things back. But, heck, this is a one-off kind of season. Notre Dame's playing in the ACC, so anything can happen. Rick, we really appreciate value the conversation with you. We'll ring you back shortly. You be well. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, my friend. Talk soon. Yep. Yep. Rick Neuheisel, uh, the former great player, great coach, jumped on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Lot there. Yeah, man. uh, That I'm sure was, you know, echoing a lot of what Buckeye fans want to hear and what they believe themselves. Um, The great, complicated conversation of what's the difference between bringing kids back on campus and starting football. It's a fine line. It's a fine line. One's a contact sport that you know you're going to be initiating and you're going to be playing other schools from other places and other regions, but presumably those players and coaches that you'd be interacting with had been tested going into their own programs. Like I said before, can you keep the virus out of the walls of your program 100%? No, but you're going to do every last thing you can to make Mm -hmm. sure it doesn't infiltrate those walls, and you can't do the same on campus. Now, I think there is a difference between um, asking kids to social distance on campus and then trying to have a full contact season of football. I do think there's a little bit of a difference there, but it may not be any different in the end result. And so this is where we are. I know some of the universities have gone to single dorm rooms. I know Maryland has gone to that, uh, where they're not pairing people up to have roommates. But college kids are going to be college kids, whether it's no you know, at Ohio State or Maryland or wherever else. You can, yeah. you can be able to keep them from partying. I don't know. You can be able to keep them from not getting together. I doubt it. But yeah. the schools like Ohio State that have a national title contender, you hope that those football players will treat it as, hey, I've sacrificed this much. Why not another three, four months? Yeah, that and you know, uh, you know that absolutely. I, I love that AR, and I, re- I referenced the uh, the quote from Josh Myers yesterday, just about you know the message that they were sending within their locker room that was you know hinting at what you just touched on is that those guys made it clear that you don't want to be the one dude to mess this thing up because, like you said, Ohio State had something cooking this year that could have ended up with some confetti touching the some top of some domes, man. Yeah. All right, we'll come back with a Buckeye Bolton, a former Buckeye quarterback. Did he get the call to be the week one starter? We'll let you know next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State athletics. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. Rothman and Ice present Buckeye Bulletin. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the heat? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train systems, including 0% APR for 60 months. All right, Maddie, Buckeye Bolton time. Former Buckeye Dwayne Haskins. Week one for the Washington football squad. Uh, there wasn't really a question here, I don't believe. Was there in your mind? Uh, Alex Smith had been cleared for football. We know he may never really. I mean, everyone's rooting for him. It's an unbelievable story. It's hard to even believe. 
Um, but Dwayne is get, this is the guy that they want to see what they have. He flashed in the final games last year. Comes back. Uh, weird off season. No real. No preseason. Um, I think you got to expect that he will have a if he can keep that TD to interception rate in a good spot. And use his weapons. You're probably looking at a 3K season with potentially 20 TDs. Yeah, I, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in the talent, man. And I know there's some people out there that are questioning what they saw last year from Dwayne Haskins. I don't know how fair of a situation that was. You know, with what he was dealing with. I mean, Terry McLaurin turned himself into a number one receiver. <laughs> I believe in that. But outside of that, AR, there ain't a lot of juice that he has to work with. So we'll see what comes of this. But I, I believe that he can be more than a competent quarterback, more than an average quarterback in the NFL. And you mentioned that touchdown interception ratio. That was five to one in the month of December. So when he was really going out there um, at the latter portion of the season, he played pretty well for Washington. Let's see if he can piece this together. I know this offseason he really focused in on dropping some weight and getting in better shape and all that stuff. So it's important, but you got a new coach in the building. He's got to prove to him starting next week that he can go out there and get it done at a high clip. So uh, we'll see what he can piece together, AR, but I do think kind of what we've been touching on here is the latter portion of last year, he gives you some confidence that he can continue to build off of that. We just got to see if some other Washington uh, players want to huh. join the party. No doubt about it. Who's uh, who's leading the way for their uh, for their backfield, sir? Well, Darius, guys, he's gone. They released him. Well, you, you know got it is. the OG. It's a rhetorical. A- at AP all day. But That's there's, right. There's some other names out there. There's some other names. How about Antonio Gibson? You remember, uh, the, uh-huh. you remember the name Bryce Love from Stanford. Uh-huh. I mean, look, these are names that are on their roster. I don't know what impact they have, AR, but I think you're looking at the OG all day. Unbelievable. It, done again. it is crazy. It's wild. It is crazy. Uh, we will confirm now that uh, yesterday when we talked about the three-star tight end out of Georgia, Bennett Christian, yeah. has committed to Ohio State. Announced that through the Instagram, through the IG, through the gram, as the kids say, choosing the Buckeyes over a couple other schools. Tennessee and Penn State were in the mix yeah. in his final three. And he, the as you mentioned, the 6'6", 230-plus class of 2022. Um Announced last night, and he is ready to go for Ohio State. And it was a uh, a very welcomed addition. Seems like yeah. a good dude. Good yeah, kid. They're- they're building class of 22. They've got six guys in that class right now, AR. He's only the second offensive player in the class, and that goes along with an offensive tackle. But, uh, yeah, not surprising at all that they are continuing to crank this thing out. And, uh, yeah, you beat out Tennessee. I know there were some ties there, but I said yesterday I would have been surprised if you picked that over Ohio State in the football machine that is the Buckeyes. Lions locking up their uh, homegrown talent and Taylor Decker, correct? How about it? How about uh, it? You got the details on this, the deets? I can get the deets for you if you continue. It's to a talk, multi-year maybe. deal. I think it's an $85 million extension. Yeah, I mean. Uh, wow. I was giving you the uh, the honors of mentioning that incredible figure because it's unbelievable. <laughs> His extension includes about 37.5 mil fully guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, the deal tax on four new years to his existing deal. That is set to pay him ten million this year. Ten million in change. You and I would take the change. Mm. Uh, the following four years are worth sixty mil. There's a sixth and final year on the contract that's be voidable for, as we like to say in the amateur GM area, the the cap management 
reasons. Uh, I got a file called Cap Management uh, explaining that that the six-year, $85 million number made public by his representation. So it's on the books, man. Here we go. $7.5 million signing bonus. That'll be paid out in 17 beautiful installments in 2020. Um, You'll get a uh, six and a half in 20 and 13 mil guaranteed in 2021. It goes on and on. You get a nice quarter mil workout bonus in there. Get a nice half million dollar roster bonus if he's there in 2024. Mm. So sixty no, million in time. new money is how we put a bow on that. Big time, uh, yeah. He's rookie of the year for the squad for their squad back in 2016. My only question is, is he going to be blocking for Stafford? Mm-hmm. You know, what quarterback is he blocking for? You know, yeah. there's been some some questions about whether he's going to be. I think he's what sold his crib not too mm-hmm. long ago up there in Detroit. So you know, we heard that about Tom Brady, and they told us it was nothing too. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> All right, that is today's Buckeye Bulletin. We come back, Sports Center Update, top of the hour. We'll go into the deeper dive, give you the latest on if there are any more rumblings of yesterday's bat phone conversation between the Big Ten and the Oval Office. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for a deeper dive. All right, welcome back in. Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice Hayes, CB, hoping not to pop any stitches today like he did yesterday when he bellowed out something and, and ripped a few. Uh, I still don't know if he's doing truth or not today. I, I have not. I, I he's back. I, I think he's back on the IL. That's what I would recommend. I, I would not. I would not uh, chance it anymore. The dude's tempting fate. He got all fired up and and then. Uh, Blew his Levi's, and now he may have blown a stitch. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about the big reversal, if there's going to be one. And that's what it'll be named, the big yeah. reversal. <laughs> I, 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 do, I, I, mean, I, I like that. I, I'm, I like well, it. I will say this, or the big end around, or whatever you want to do. You could come up with some whatever football term. The double reverse. The big that's probably Actually, it's probably the Big Ten's double reverse, because that's what it feels like. You know what it feels like to me? It feels like the Big Ten and their fans – are trying to keep this Music City miracle alive. Like, we just keep lateraling the ball. And guess what happens when you lateral? You keep going backwards. Well, that's what it feels like to me. Like, the play's still alive. Like, like Stanford Cal, like, the band might be on the field, and the play's still alive, and we're knocking into things, and we really don't know what's going on. But I, I hear a lot of people saying, well, they'll never admit they were wrong. They admit their leaders don't admit they're wrong. Smart people, here's what I will tell you. They don't have to admit they were wrong. They just have to offer up why that now feels more right. That's it. Stop the, asking them for an apology. They're not going to apologize. They, they made their decision. Was it premature? Was it too definitive? Okay. In my opinion, yes. It doesn't make them wrong. But these people that say they'll never admit they were wrong, they don't have to. Stop getting hung up on that. All they have to do is see enough evidence and get more information to offer up why they feel more right. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. No, and I, I do think, you know, they won't verbally admit that they were, quote, wrong. But I do think if we get the reversal or the big Hail Mary or however we want to label this thing, um, that is an admission that they were wrong. That's going to be enough to me if this thing turns around and we get a season going, whether it's October 10th or Thanksgiving, whatever the heck, we get a season if we get one. That's enough. I, I, I don't need to hear it. I'm sorry from them. I don't need to hear I'm wrong. Like, we will know that they made the wrong call on the timing of all of this because 
that's been the big thing. I, I was I was surprised when they made the call that they did, you know, for being first. Now, you know, some of the stuff's out there, if, if you believe it, that, you know, maybe in the Big Ten's minds, they got a little full of themselves, and they thought that just because they did it first, the other conferences were going to follow. Obviously, that wasn't the case outside of the Pac-12. Um, but, yeah, like, that's just where we are with this. And my mind's been all over the place reading all this stuff at night, reading all this stuff in the morning. I know you have, too, and it's just been a wild ride for – everyone involved and like i've been saying this could have been you know prevented if out of the gates that you know kevin warren cleared up how the vote went down was there actually a vote and then the couple times after that like you know when i saw him on big 10 network sitting down with dave revson that did not go over very well there was no clarity there so that's why we're at the point where we are right now and with this meeting that went down yesterday between the white house and the big 10 we still don't know if their minds are changed on the medical front. You know, there was stuff thrown out there that, you know, it went well or, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. But that's kind of the vibe that was thrown out there for some of the tweets that I saw yesterday. AR. So until their minds are completely in the clear that the medical information that we had before is not wrong, but it has changed a little bit. And we feel comfortable about what we can do now on the medical front. I don't know if we get a change, and I definitely don't, don't think we yeah. get a change that's going to turn around here fairly soon because that's what they were hell-bent on was the medical stuff, the medical stuff, the medical stuff. And I, I don't know if their minds are changed until we hear from them, you know? Well, we've heard from one. We've heard from Purdue President Mitch Daniels. He made his, he, made, he made his comments uh, today or yesterday, and he, didn't, he, he, he provided a statement through a spokesperson. He didn't do a live interview. But he was among he was among those who voted not to play any sports during the fall season, during the pandemic. And the Big Ten in that court filing, which I guess people still want to act as a lie, but it was a court filing. The Big Ten said the vote was eleven to three in favor of postponing the twenty twenty season. And I said to the people that are accusing that of being a lie, like a like a just a blatant lie, like there was no vote and they made up the numbers, like. So if I so if I didn't vote no, why would I want to be in that group? We all know the three that didn't. So yeah. you can do the math. Like let's say I was Mitch Daniels and I voted to play. Well, then why would I want my name attached to a no? Like it, so I believed it. I don't know if it was a a yay or a nay or they really pinned them down and said, "Okay, this is it." But there was some deliberation on it, and that's why when Warren came out and did that interview on Big Ten Network, it wasn't that he lied. It's that he left things out. Yep. He, he was correct, it looks like, in saying that there was a vote and there was overwhelming support postponing fall sports. If, if you believe the numbers, 11 to 3, then he was right in saying that. That was a fact. It was overwhelming. What he, where his mistake was made, in my estimation, was tacking on, it will not be revisited. Why? We're living in a fluid world. We're living in a world where week to week, month to month, things can change for better and worse. So why would you say we won't revisit it? Why would you put a lid on it? Like, it, it, it doesn't even need to be. Like, you could have almost survived by saying... Our training camps are about to start. Full contact. We don't have confidence in it. Here's why. We talk to our medical task force. We talk to our doctors and trainers. 
this is where the presidents were leaning, and that's why we are delaying. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Now, could he have communicated it better? Of course, and he'll always wear that. There's no, he can't get a redo on that. Uh, you know, will he never be able to hand out a trophy in his life? Of course not. Every commissioner in this universe is, is universally hated, or at least disliked. Like, they just don't feel like the, that the commissioners of these leagues have the best interest in mind of their sports. Except and It's Adam all Silver. just protecting owners and, and, and counting the beans. And so I agree with you. That's why I said earlier that Silver is He's kind of accepted. I don't think it's, like, universally loved, but he might be the outlier. But n- name me a commissioner. Like, it's, it's much more that aren't like than are like. Of course. Yeah, I mean, okay, so, yeah, so he'll survive. He'll survive being able to hand out a trophy. Believe me, if we get to the days where we're handing out a trophy, uh, I, we're watching games again. I'm not saying he won't be booed. I'm not saying he won't be. I'm not saying uh, no, people I'm are going to like him. I'm, I'm just saying that I think he can still do it. I, look, I, people I, say I, he physically can't do it. I don't think that. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a 2021 season under our belt. Some next assistant fall. gets thrown out there. No, as normal. I'm just saying, like if we, you know, he Big Ten championship game down at Indy. Let's say you know the Buckeyes get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, some Buckeye fans that have been sitting in the stands, oh, maybe had a few adult pops. They they're not going to be over this, especially no, if no. we don't get this year's team to go out there and perform so the interaction between the fan base and kevin warren i'm with it it's never going to be warm and and cuddly i just i do all i'll say is this ar i don't think i'm not going to be surprised if this thing lingers on because we know how fans can be especially fans that feel like they had something ripped away from them that could have equated oh there's no question if they don't get back on the field this year then they don't get to compete for a title then it's trouble i agree and he knows it. And he knows it. He's lived it. He's lived it for the last whatever weeks. Like He absolutely knows the backlash now. And I'm not saying he can't stand up to it. And he's admitted fault. But guess what they finally did? Instead of throwing out the human shield, they finally got the presidents to... They, they, that, that lawsuit by the Nebraska kids finally got them to say, okay, we got to get on the record here of how we voted. Like, I can't just throw out phrases like overwhelmingly. Like, people yeah. need to know. And so that's what happened, and that's what I've been yelling for for a while. And if OSU and Nebraska and Iowa wanted to play because the investment in testing is there and, you know, if, if the investment in testing gets better and that's the big hurdle for a lot of these presidents that voted on the other side, then we're going to find out. We're going to find out because – I don't think this is going to be a guessing game for too much longer because you're getting into some crucial time here. Now, I don't believe, and I know Dan Patrick throughout October 10th with his source, I saw somebody at Sporting News throughout October 3rd. Like, what are like, we doing, and, man? And not only like, that, you had to like, condense the bye. And, and by the like, way, and then you've got you to jam all those bye weeks. You've got to condense them now. Yeah. If they want them to play a championship game in the conference by December 19th to be a part of the college football playoff, and then the other part is the one that I mentioned to you earlier, which is, do we know officially like how many, even if you got a reversal, an end around on this conference, and you got enough votes to do it, let's say you got nine or whatever, you got the 60% or whatever you need mm-hmm. from what I've read, Yep. is that going to be enough to just go forward with those teams, would others not, and then would it matter? And I don't... I'm, 
I think if Ohio State pasted teams and they and they played six or seven games, or maybe they got an eight, that's plenty. Even if the other conferences played ten, it, it just has to time up, right? That's it just huge. has to. You that's have huge. to get. You have to have six in the bank by the time they have eight or nine, and then I think that you would be very much eligible. Hundred percent. And and the college football playoff committee has not spoken on this, and I don't know if they even will. Um, maybe behind the scenes, the ADs that really want to play are digging into that. Like, how many games do we have to play to be eligible? Maybe they are knocking on some doors. Uh, because I think that's all that matters for a Ohio State fan right now is how many games do we have to play? Like, because that's this it. Thanksgiving thing, as much as you might want to see your scarlet and gray on your TV, no. it, it'll be hollow. It, it will be hollow. No, that's not why you do it. That, that's not why you do it. Not not at big time programs like Ohio State. You don't go out to play for for quote nothing. No, like that that's that's a waste of everybody's time. This has got to be for the big boy or or nothing. So the timing of this absolutely is huge. But you just mentioned two different dates there coming from two different sources, and that's why all of this has been a complete mess. And that's why on the Ohio State front. Would you hear from Christina Johnson yesterday and you re- go back to some of the stuff that Gene has been saying, how aligned these three parties are, and I'll throw Coach Day into that mix to make it the trio that he's been talking about, right? Like, that's big because you can read some other stuff from some of these other schools from within the conference, and some of these coaches are on record talking about they feel like they can get it done, and these some ADs and presidents from those same schools are throwing out other comments that are confusing, that aren't backing up what their head coaches are saying. So the unity within the conference is already a mess itself and I think that's where outside of the medical stuff you got to get everyone on the same page here like everybody we know what the coaches and the ADs are going to want but from the top down with the presidents it just doesn't seem like there's clarity and there's all these mixed messages in my opinion being thrown out through the media to make this situation so much murkier than what it is but I think to hone in on what's important here in Columbus and and to Buckeye Nation it's going to be the timing of a a restart if we do get it because I'm just not a fan mm-hmm. of you know I, I get that there would be a season and I get that people would be happy with that but if you start this thing too late and we're in week four week five or whatever of a Big Ten season and we're having conversations of well how important are these mm-hmm. games regardless of you know the product that they're throwing out there that ain't it for me or I'm out on that no the number one or number two team in the country would not be a part of the, your playoff? Yeah, come on. How, how, how good of a playoff can it be? And I'm not right. blaming the committee. The Big Ten doesn't play. That's their choice. The committee yeah. can only go with what they have. What I want to dig into, which kind of goes into the motivation to restart, it's all around the players that are playing for Ohio State right now may not want to play in Thanksgiving when they know they're not a part of it. Like you, Justin Fields can talk about the love for teammates, want to play for the seniors, but let's deep down, deep down he knows it's competing for a title, and he's got he, livelihood on, on the line playing on Sundays. Like he, You get to Thanksgiving, and he already knows he's eight games in the hole, and they're not competing for it, and there won't be enough data. What's the it, they won't line up enough. Yeah, what's like the He motivation? could say, I love my seniors, but... I got to go. I yeah, can't risk fine. it. And I think just, that would be – he can't. He, I'm it's with not you. that season anymore. It's the integrity. <laughs> it's what I told Carp four months ago. The one box is integrity of a season, Huge. integrity of a championship. Yeah. And if you can't check that box at Ohio State, then I don't care what you're playing for. The game, any game. Like, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. This is all supposed to equal something. Yes. These all add up. Absolutely. That's why college football is so beautiful. Every game matters, yeah. and it still matters, even though you have a Final Four. 
Yeah, and that's it, why you want to kind of protect this, and that's why we've gone down the road of expanded playoffs, and would the loser of Ohio State-Michigan still get in, and would that dilute the – that's real stuff mm-hmm. because that mm-hmm. goes to the fabric of what your sport is and what it has been. Yeah. But that's going down another road. The same thing exists, Maddie. There has to be a meaning to the season because then why are you putting on the pads and risking it? It's well said. And for Justin Fields, Sean Wade, Wyatt Davis, guys that have been hearing their names attached to the first round, um, that absolutely, it's paramount. It's paramount for those guys. If they're going to go out there and, quote, risk their bodies um, to lose some money, potentially for injury, whatever the case is, no, you got to tell me, man, I got a chance to stand up there with my guys and my coach and hoist a, you know, a national championship trophy and do the Dougie. Like, that's what I need to be talking mm. about. You know, do the Dougie. Wow, I haven't heard that. Stanky one. leg, Harlem wow. shake, whatever you want to do. You know, it's all in play. The worm. Oh, Is that your nickname in high school, Stanky Leg? Stanky, you know, on the weekends yeah, at the house party. Stanky right. Leg's in the building. Mm. Uh, let's play a little truth when we come back. Let's, let's get it. a little, uh, let's lighten the heavy situation. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Two men, no pants. Oh, my God. <laughs> Common Man and T-Bone. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 6. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. Are we testing, testing, hello, hello? Are we handling this ourselves? I mean, we can. Goodness, there he is. Going to pop another stitch. Go ahead, do it. All right, I'll try to avoid it. So with Cleveland's win and the Chicago White Sox losing, the AL Central has three teams within one and a half games of first place. How do you see the division finishing up? Uh, I'm getting the benefit of of knowing what the Twins have done over the last, what? How many have they lost? Did they break their losing streak? I know they lost. They won last night, yes. All right, so they broke the streak, but, man, they slid out of first. I would have gone Twins here. I like them. Um, I'm going to go with the Indians now. Uh, The Twins didn't add anything at the deadline, and so and a half a dozen losing streak, that that wouldn't mean much in a regular season. This year it means a ton. Like, in, in order now, I'd probably go Indians, Sox, Twins. Ooh, I love the Minnesota Twins. I know they have been struggling right now. It's so hard to ignore what the Cleveland Indians can put together. And, look, I was one of those people yesterday that was questioning what some of these young guys could do in the rotation in in moments that absolutely matter in the playoffs. Plesak was great yesterday, so give him credit for figuring it out. But I'll, I'll put Cleveland in there first, and then I'll put the Twins in there second, followed by the Sox. I think the Sox, yeah. are, they're still a little young right now. They're very talented, still a little young. But Minnesota scares the crap out of me as an offense that you get them in a series. They can mash. Sun-o. So I will put Cleveland there, but I don't feel great about it right now. So I'll go okay. Cleveland, Minnesota, and Chi-Town. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. The Indians, by the way, them staking police act to a three-run first for his mindset was awesome. He battled Franco, what was that, a 12-pitch at bat? A Naquin makes a nice catch so he can keep it rolling. That couldn't have been better. I was so happy for Zach to come back and have that outing, but I'm, I'm a firm believer in them getting that three-spot early really took some heat off of him. Real quick, CB, before you run the little clip, I agree with the AR. That was huge. I think it's a good point. But I tell you what, man, Fran Mill Reyes, how about it? Turning it around, Nash. becoming a mainstay, a really important piece in that lineup because that was a big question mark coming into the season for me for this team was who's going to provide offense outside of Frankie and Jose? He has been a nice constant for him. The truth, it's overrated. 
All right, so the Pagers beat reporters saying that Mohamed Sanu will not make the 53-man roster. Is there any teams out there you could think of right now that would use him as a good slot receiver? That's crazy, man. What it is is crazy. Would they trade a second-round pick for him? They gave up a second-round pick. And and that second-round pick was traded for Hayden Hurst, and then that was used to pick J.K. Dobbins. Okay, that's great. I love the way you did the six degrees of separation there. I love that game. And... I just can't imagine they're they're going to admit defeat now. Well, like I think there's value. Once they got Cam, I thought there was value. I heard that he had done some pretty good work in camp. He was injured last year. He had the ankle. He had surgery. Only got those eight games in. Now his drop rate was bad, and you can't blame that on an ankle. Um, Edelman could still be a little focused. Could take some away. Listen, we're talking about a guy that was lining up with AJ Green and Julio Jones at one point. He was the beneficiary of playing with. Elite, elite receivers. Yeah, right. And now we're asking him to do what? I I can't name you a team right now because I still believe there was a future with the Pats. This catches me very much off guard. I'll, I'll head down to the land of the Philly cheesesteak with the Eagles, man. They've been banged up, and you know their quarterback's been nicked up. Carson Wentz over the weekend, he got nicked up. But with Alshon on the pup list, and you look at some of these other names and mm-hmm. their wide receiver room, like I, I don't want to go into a season AR where I have to rely on Greg Ward Jr., you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do that. How much does Deshaun Jackson have left in the tank? I don't know. I think they need to go ahead and look at Muhammad Sanu down there in Philly. Why you always lying? All right, let's get one more in here. Yes. So let's do a fun one. Okay. Would you rather not be able to ever get a haircut again or never be able to shave? <laughs> this is easy for me. Yeah, I'm working on both. Uh, that's for sure. Um, Give me Follically challenged anyway. I would say you really want to live with a beard your entire life. Uh, I'm going to take, I think the haircut just makes you feel, I don't, boy, this is one of the tougher ones we've had. I think it's No easy. shave ever or yeah, no haircut ever. It's, yeah, it's I'll easy. take the haircut, I guess. I mean, you're going to need that eventually. I, I will take the latter. Itchy and, beard? Yeah, give me the latter. If I never have to shave again, I'm fine with that. But yeah. you, you were going down the road of exactly I what I was going to say. When you walk out of the barber chair and you you head into your car and you look yeah. in that rearview mirror and you look at the lineup and the fade and Maybe the part and you people. get one. Oh, man, give me the haircut. I got to have my cuts, man. Yeah. For some people, it's more out of necessity than looking in the rearview mirror. Like, <laughs> um, But that's a tough one, man. I hardly shave anyway anymore. You know, I'm probably on a once-every-six-day plan. <laughs> and, and the haircut, I've probably been on a one-every-five-month plan. So you'd think I would have aired that way. But So what you're telling your boy is the, the facial hair. Is still there. The facial hair, you know, that gets taken care of more so than the pizza sweats do. Like, those are just, you know, those don't get washed. You know, we're not really washing those Hey, by much. the way, this summer, I got—I hate to break it to you. I've invented the pizza short. Oh, God. Yeah, the it's, pizza it's, lounge short. It's the it's part. My, it's my CBJ shorts <laughs> that have the pockets in them. And I can oh. walk the dogs and have the bat. Like, I'm telling you, oh, they're going to get up and walk away on their own. It's <laughs> Bad it, news. It's the part that what really kills your mm, boy. So you tell me though. that we don't take napkins or paper towels down with the frozen pizza. The shorts or the sweats are the the napkin or the paper towel. Like the oil. It's stains. happened. That oh, was the man. that was the origin of it. I can't tell you that I never use a, a paper towel. It's just that's how they were born. The great ideas, Maddie. <laughs> Great moments are born from great opportunity, and that's what I have here with the pizza sweats. Goodness, that's great. That's so good. (laughs) Jeff Lloyd, Pro Football Network, up next. We'll talk brownies with him and more in the league. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Radio.
It opens your mind to stimulating conversation and live sports. And best of all, it still costs zero dollars. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. They both like to go to raves with the Bosa brothers. Here's Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Rothman and Ice. And we welcome on Jeff Lloyd, Pro Football Network, Locked On Browns. He's with us on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. And I just hear Ari Gold yelling, Lloyd! Lloyd! He's with us now. Good to have you. Uh, let me, hey, gentlemen, how's everything going today? Good, good. We need that. We need an open for you like that. That would be sensational. Um, all right, so let's talk about. I can't believe we are this close. What are we? I mean, are we? Where are this season is going to be starting? I, I got to look. They go, they go to Baltimore, right? I mean, this is like unbelievable. How how confident are you, Jeff, in the line right now? And um, what they're going to have around Batonio and Treader? Is he coming back? Where's the confidence level? Uh, I think you like what you see so far from this line. We knew it was going to be a work in progress with obviously the abbreviated offseason. You know, Jedrick Wills and, you know, some people with, uh, well, it looks like he's having some struggles. He is, of course. He's going from the right side to the left side. He didn't get the appropriate amount of time with, you know, between OTAs and mini camps before training camp. But he's putting the work in day in, day out. There's going to be tight end help that they're going to give to him. That's the joy of this offense that Stefanski's running. He can take Wills through this process. There's going to be a lot of fullback. There's going to be a lot of two tight end sets. You can offset the fact that you have a left tackle who essentially is learning the left side on the fly. I think Treader is the one you're probably concerned about here. Look, Nick, Nick Harris has gotten the lion's share of the work at center to this point. But Baltimore, you know, with the addition of Calais Campbell and what they have on that defensive front, that's a rough opponent to be going into in your first NFL action. Um, JC, my guess is if we don't hear anything probably by Monday, then means JC's probably not going to be a part of week one. Um, do they need him? Sure. Um, is Nick Harris, you know, knowledgeable enough within the system to go out there and play? Probably he is. But, you know, again, your first, you know, live ammunition that you're going to see, so to speak, being the Ravens defensive line, it's certainly going to cause, you know, you see some hesitation. But I do believe with this outside zone, it, they can cover it up because the goal is to essentially, you know, either run outside of the tackle or cut up between the guard tackle hole. And to this point, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt with Nick Harris playing, you know, center in camp have done that and done it well so far. Jeff, I want to stay on the offensive side of the ball, man. And you kind of touched on the tight end group there pretty quickly. But, you know, Harrison Bryant, man, is a name I keep seeing pop up every once in a while. And you touched on Stefanski and how the tight ends can be involved, you know, with the offense that he's bringing over to Cleveland. Like, What are you expecting, not just from Harrison Bryant, but maybe the tight end group as a whole this season? I, I actually, you know, you have to really like the mix of it. Austin Hooper, um, and you can tell that obviously he and Baker Mayfield spent time together in the offseason. The relationship was there, you know, right from the beginning of what we were able to see of training camp. You know, where Hooper is, Baker's looking. Hooper seems to know where it is. You know, Baker develops these good relationships, you know, with with certain players. We saw it, you know, in 2018 with Rashard Higgins, still working out the kinks, obviously, with Odell Beckham. And, you know, Jarvis and, you know, Baker have had a good rapport to this point. But with everybody healthy, that's starting to look pretty good. The tight end room, Hooper has looked great. You know, Najoku, there was the difficulty of missing time yet again. But David is such a physical, athletic presence at the position. And for Browns fans, oh, we'll trade him, trade him, trade him. I understand the premise of it, maybe. 
but you're not going to get a big enough return. And if David Njoku can't succeed in this tight end friendly scheme, David Njoku is probably never going to succeed to what any better than he was in 2018 in the NFL. Uh, Austin with Bryant, it's just been uh, it's been so great to watch as far as the receiving aspect of it. You know, you want your tight ends to catch everything. We have seen that endlessly from Bryant up until this point. They run this play, They run what is called a wide leak, wide leak play, where is you're showing play action like you were going to run. You know, the wide zone scheme. Your tight end blocks blocks down. Count of two then releases the quarterback, you know, rolls the other way, hits tight ends in the flat, and this has been open the entire amount of training camp that they've run it, and Harrison Bryant has excelled in that. He's got the height to succeed within the red zone. I would have said, you know, a couple of weeks ago that this is great that he is contributing as much as he is within the passing game, but the tell was going to be whether or not, you know, he is developing as a blocker. With the footage we've been given, it's hard to see how much he has developed in that respect. He certainly put in the work. But I think Harrison Bryant's going to play a good amount of snaps, and I don't think the Browns care if it's going to be a tell to the defense that he comes on the field that most likely it's going to be a pass. He's succeeded so well to this point that anything you get out of him blocking-wise is gravy. Then you're going to have that battle between Farrell Brown and Stephen Carlson for the last tight end spot. I think it's going to go to Farrell Brown just because Farrell Brown is your best, second-best blocker within the tight end room. Now, Joku has his warts in the blocking game, as we know. Harrison Bryant is still learning, obviously. Cyril Brown, this was you know his calling card, why he played a lot last season. Him catching the ball in camp here has been gravy to this point. I think they're going to keep him because there's going to be obvious sets where they want the two best blocking tight ends on the field, and that would be Brown and Hooper. But of all these four tight ends, these guys are going to probably see a lot of reps, especially early in the season, while they work everything else out and start to get more and more comfortable where they can start to add more of you know Coach Stefanski's beliefs and system into this offense. They're probably only working at maybe – 60 to 65 percent right now each week you'll probably look to graduate you know uh, know, graduate five to ten percent of what he can put in of the playbook he's giving you the finer points of the 2020 cleveland browns he's jeff lloyd host of locked on browns pro football network as well pfn 365 on twitter let me uh let's switch over to the defense and we know exactly what they have on that line um the secondary you know needs to come together this year for sure um, who has to live up to their potential more, do you think, Jeff, that, that defensive line or the defensive secondary for them to be very successful? I think the defensive line, um, when you're, what you're talking about, what's construed here, and look, losing Andrew Billings was a loss, but what they had otherwise as far as guys that could get after the passer, Larry Ogunjobi, the first couple of weeks of 2018, he and Miles Garrett were going at it, you know, sack numbers for sack numbers for almost the first month of the season. Larry can get after the passer. Sheldon Richardson has that unique blend where he played a lot of defensive end last season. Ken obviously plays as your starting defensive tackle, can create pass rush himself as well. Then you get to, you know, Olivier Vernon healthy, and I think they've handled him smartly this camp, you know, keeping the reps down, realizing that, you know, regular season that has a heck of a lot more important than beating up on, you know, your teammates because you don't even get preseason games. Then you bring in Adrian Claiborne. And for a rotational guy, former first-round pick, 10th year in the league, you know, averages, you know, between four to seven sacks per year depending on playing time. The emergence of Porter Gustin to this point, this was a guy I really liked when they brought him in last year when they were decimated by injuries. He's got a great athletic profile out of USC. He played D-end at USC before he was shifted to linebacker later in his career. He can get after the passer. He had a rep against Jack Conklin 
that was just perfect. There was not even a misstep. The hand usage was fantastic. And this is a guy that's going to be your fourth pass rusher. The secondary, yeah, obviously the Grand Teflon's a loss, and these guys are going to have to come together. The cornerback unit has played well, but the potential for this defensive line and the amount of pressure they can possibly generate, the amount of sacks they should be able to get, it's, it's a high, high number. We're probably talking top five in the NFL as far as you know, sacks they can probably get. Um, if it all goes through Miles Garrett, and obviously he's going to draw a lot of the attention, but you know, Claiborne was a first-round pick. Olivier Vernon has had crazy success. Dustin, Richardson, Ogan, Joby. If you're going to go double-team Miles Garrett, you're putting a lot of great players in some one-on-one situations, and to this point of their career, they've won more of those than they've lost. Really good stuff with Jeff Lloyd, Pro Football Network, locking in on the Browns today with us. Uh, we're, we're getting close, Jeff. We appreciate that insight, man, and we'll talk to you once the season begins. Thank you. I, I appreciate it, guys. All the best. Thank well you, done. Jeff. Yep. Jeff Lloyd was on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Going to, your, going to be more, Matty. It's crazy, man. I know because it's funny because we've kind of mentioned the last couple days about you know how close the NFL season is getting, but it's right around the corner, and I don't even know when we get to next Thursday or the day of, right? Mm. If I'm really going to fully embrace it, I guess I will once we get through our draft on Monday. I've got another fantasy draft on Tuesday, but yeah, we've been so wrapped up. Another draft? Oh yeah, you know another Bobka. Okay, (laughs) no, I just see cinnamon and chocolate, huh? Okay. <laughs> One's not enough for the kid. Oh no, man! You know he you goes all do. in now. You were you're out for a while. One? Now you, I'm, I've, I'm only going to do one. Okay, I did two oh. last year and it messed me up. Yeah, it's a lot. It's bad a lot. draft. Mess you up. I was. Uh, no, is this your boy? <laughs> both y'all just got yeah, this exactly. Stuff. No, no, I was just going to say we real both quick. rep the same smart tech. <laughs> right? Oh, such a good movie. Forty year old virgin. <laughs> uh, but no, real quick, I was going to say we've been oh. so wrapped up, man, talking about the Big Ten and college football that the NFL timeline has crept up on us because we've been so wrapped up and all that, and rightfully so. But it will be a, a ton of fun, man, when we get to next week and we got NFL games to talk about the week after. It's awesome, man. You know that that you know the phrase everybody was tossing out you know months ago, the new normal and all that. Yeah. Well, well, we've we've experienced now golf, auto racing, hockey, NBA. Yeah. The U.S. Open is playing tennis with Soccer. no fans. Soccer, Sa- MLS, yeah. Uh, the return WNBA. Like, like all, we, it's a lot. we have whatever it is, it's been on, and I know we've appreciated it being on. I was locked into the final twenty-five laps of the Indy Five Hundred. <laughs> that didn't have any, you know, the greatest spectacle in racing. Had no fans, and so. NFL, while I think back, I think college was the one we really couldn't think about with no fans, like that that atmosphere. But professional sports, they're going on. And I've said it for years on this program, the national pastime is watching television. And the sports that translate to TV the best will survive. And what translates the best to TV? NFL. Football. It's one of the great sports on television and i know college you want to be there in person because there's emotions attached and it's tailgating and it's banned it's everything it's what you know i've said about Ohio state it's from age eight to 80 you know and, and and even the extremes past those it's it's generational love but it's when i think about the nfl you get fantasy fired up you get gambling fired up you get the <laughs> games on the field mm-hmm. you get them on tv whatever yeah. they look like People are going to watch. All right, we'll come back. There's a rookie, Maddie, in the league. 
that could potentially start the year on injured reserve. And he's probably a guy that people would draft later on. We'll tell you about that next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. This year stinks. Here's something to make it better. We're live and local in the morning. Morning Juice with Beamer, Carpenter, and Schlegs. Weekdays starting at 6. The fan. It's time for the NFL two-minute drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit MarkLevyDDS.com today. All right, NFL two-minute drill time. Not that he's going to be a huge name. Nobody knows. But K.J. Hamler of the Denver Broncos tweaked his hammy in training camp, and he's going to miss at least a few weeks now, Maddie. The Broncos have some targets. They want to keep on that final 53 here, or the initial 53. So... ESPN reporter Jeff Legwall believes that there's a chance Hamler will be stashed on IR Mm. like how they treated Drew Locke's injury last season. So that would cost him three games. But then he'd be a full go for October and the rest of the year. So in their three-receiver set is still Sutton and Judy. And then you throw in Tim Patrick. So... We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I know you know we kind of talked about them yep. yesterday. This is uh, you know, Noah Fant season. That's all I'm hearing. More targets for Noah Fant, mm. but in the real football world, uh, this is a hit, man, cuz they obviously they brought him in to be a part of that, you know, those guys that you mentioned there, especially Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. No question. He is really really fast. We know, you know, coming from Penn State here in Big 10 country, we know what he can bring to the table. So, that's unfortunate, but obviously a hit for them and when you're in that division and you got to go toe to toe with them, you know, them being Kansas City, um, you want all the weapons you can get. We just talked a ton about the Brownies, ESPN's Jake Trotter. I saw that he threw out there that it looks like Rashard Higgins could be, uh, looks like mm-hmm. the Browns' number three wide receiver. I've always said, man, when I watched the Brownies, I thought he's a guy that's popped off my screen every once in a while, and that's all you can ask for from your number three receiver. There's a lot of mouths that need to get fed up there this year in Cleveland, but uh, I've never been I've never been a, a part of the crowd that thought this guy was just a slouch. I think he's a pretty good secondary receiver in your room, so that doesn't surprise me at all. Don't sell him short, Matty. He might be a tremendous slouch, uh, especially if Jarvis and OBJ have the seasons that people expect them to have. I, I don't see him being a major impact player here unless one of those guys gets dinged up. Um, does he have, like you said, the leg up on that WR3 spot? That's fine. Um, I, you know, if this guy catches 20 passes, I think it'll be a lot, but I could be wrong. Where would you have Well, especially with Kareem Hunt, you know, eating into some of those catches as well. You know what he's about and how heavily involved the tight ends are going to be. I don't think the numbers are going to be crazy for him. Uh I just think he's definitely a respectable number three. You look at some of these other teams, like you mentioned Tim Patrick. I don't even know who that is for Denver. Like, what has Tim Patrick been doing? I'll take Richard Higgins all day long over him. Uh, Coach Ron Rivera, he did announce that former Buckeye Dwayne Haskins is going to be the starter in our nation's capital for week one against the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Carl. Carson Wentz, Dwayne Hass is going toe-to-toe in that one. That should be a lot of fun, and this is huge for him. This is big time for him to get out to a great start because you don't want to start messing around with the idea of Ron Revere having another option if Alex Smith gets healthy or a guy that he knows fairly very well in Kyle Allen, mm-hmm. who he used to coach. You know that you know how that can work, man. These guys will look down the sideline and say, I know what that guy can bring to the table. I don't want to waste any time with any players. It's not just the quarterbacks. I think yeah. Dwayne can ball, and I think he will. Uh, I just think that you know, he's got to do it early and often. T. Patrick was a Raven at some point. I don't think man, you guys ever used him. I don't even out of know Utah. who that is. Tim Patrick. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't. I, I, don't, I don't even. He was undrafted. I didn't expect that. <laughs> I'm looking at their depth chart. <laughs> okay, but, no, uh, no, not. And then I did see that you guys had him, and he signed with you guys in 2017 as an undrafted. Then you waived him right away. Okay, I think yeah. he spent a couple months with you. <laughs> And that was about it during the summer. Spent a couple summer months with you. All right, that's it for the NFL two-minute drill. Hey, we got football around the corner, man. Let's get it going, you know? Let's get excited. Gosh, I can't. It's just there's so much of this Big Ten baloney. Get out of that. Believe me, once we draft, once once we have the crap draft, where you and I are drafting ten and fourteen, and then try to try to wreck this league from the back end. It's going to be very difficult Crap to do trap. that. But I love it. Yeah. Um, I'm fired uh, up, man. I'm amazing. fired up. I mean, we're a week away tomorrow. Like a week away wow. tomorrow from the national. I Football would have league schedules out. memorized, times. I like. I have nothing. Like I'm going to have to go back into week one and see who's playing who. I have no clue. Yeah, it's going to be. Um, but they're going to get it going. All right, buddy. Great show. Fun yeah, time. Yeah, uh, CB, keep healing up. We'll pass the mics over to Common Man and T Bone. Have a great afternoon. We are Rothman and Ice on the fan. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD One Columbus. The fan. Good afternoon. I'm Paul Keel. Soccer tonight. Columbus Crew SC at home of the Philadelphia Union at Montfrey Stadium. 7.30 is when the match starts this evening. Right here on the fan, the Blue Jackets have lost associate GM Bill Zito, who has become general manager of the Florida Panthers. In the NHL playoffs tonight, Dallas against Colorado. Stars lead the Avalanche three games to two. Cincinnati Reds try and break a three-game losing streak, playing at St. Louis tonight. Cleveland Indians continue in Kansas City against the Royals. NBA playoffs, Miami will meet Milwaukee. Heat with a one nothing lead over the Bucks. Oakland Oklahoma City meets Houston in the seventh and deciding game of their series. Reports of the NCAA is aiming for a November 25th start date for both men's and women's college basketball, which would be approximately two weeks later than the usual opening. The Division I committee is expected to meet on the matter later this month. Breaking sports news when it happens on the fan, Ohio sports destination.